I feel like in 402, when they were like getting it on a bunch of times, he's like, you better hear this dope line I told to Bellamy yesterday. Oh my God. And she was like, I'll remember. She was like, thanks, babe. That was really helpful. Can you stop bringing up Bellamy in the bedroom? Yeah. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Art of the Hundred Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful, post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Apitania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And for our fun fact this week, we decided which um, of the primes we would host. So I think I'm probably going to pick Josie. Yeah. Because she's chaotic enough that I'd be okay with it. Uh, my name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And I was thinking maybe I would like to be... Honestly, like, my first thought is that I want to be Jasmine. Just because I don't know anything about her. Oh, so you can basically make up her personality for yourself? Yeah. Okay. I want to learn more about Jasmine next episode. I'm excited. Yeah, she'll probably just die, you know. I want to learn more about the Masons. Okay. I'm excited about them. Yeah. They're probably just going to die, though. (laughs) It's the hundred. Just let me have fun. All right. I guess that's it. (laughs) I was thinking maybe I would be Kaylee, too. And then your Josie. Kaylee would be cool. And then your Josie and my Kaylee could still be best friends. That's cool. I like that. Okay, well, thanks for letting me have fun. No problem. Today we have words to say about episode 612 of the 100 Adjustment Protocol. That'd that be it. That sure is it. I'm afraid to ask, Brittany, but toot or boot. boot. Okay, we'll say it so that they can understand boot. you. Stop boot. saying it while I'm talking! Boot! <laughs> Do you want to do it again? No. Okay. It's how you feel. It's, it's absolutely how I feel. Robin tooted boot. I'm afraid. I mean, you can toot it if you want. I don't care. I will. I'm definitely going to toot this episode. I thought it was really cool. Okay. Okay. That's fine. I don't have, you're allowed to have your own opinion. There's absolutely, it's it's a podcast and we are friends. You can have that opinion. Why are you making shrinky face? <laughs> what is shrinky face? It's when your whole face kind of squints oh. together. That's exactly what it looks like. And it gets much smaller. And then you look like I'm going to like destroy you, but I'm not because you are my friend. Okay. If anything, I'll destroy the writers. Okay. Cool. One other thing that we should probably say is this is our first podcast recorded in our new apartment. We got a new apartment. So if it feels a little echoey in here, it felt echoier when it was empty and we were a little worried about it. But we think now that the couch is out, it sounds a little bit better. But at this point, while we're recording, we don't know how it sounds on the recording. So if this episode ends up being a little more echoey than previous episodes then next episode we will try and figure something out about that but until then this just how yeah, it this be. is just how it's gonna be yeah <laughs> sorry guys so i've got some thoughts from listeners for us so we've got this anon on soundcloud anonymous on soundcloud i assume it's all the same person mm-hmm. but it might not be okay because it's anonymous okay but in my brain, it's the same person. Yeah, I always assume so, that. It, yeah, I don't know. Like when I get like anonymous questions on Tumblr, I'm like, so this is every <laughs> every anonymous is the same person. <laughs> all the same person. So I get confused. Anyway, okay. So those clone pretending to be another clone but failing miserably scenes were always my favorites too. Also, on topic of Orphan Black, I think it was this podcast that introduced me to it. So thanks for that. Oh, that's awesome. You're welcome. And people should watch Orphan Black. It was top-notch Canadian television. Yes, it was. Like, set in Toronto, and it's awesome. I feel like a lot of people didn't know it was set in Toronto, but... Yeah, if it you, was. It, like, it was, like, Scarborough, and, like, yeah. if you watched the money, it was Canadian money. hmm Yeah. But, yeah. 
Yeah, um, it's from Canada. And Tatiana Maslany won an Emmy for it, which was deserved. I was, like, waiting for her to win an Emmy for it. Yeah, low-key. Like, it took Um, a long time. Yeah, so it's definitely awesome. But I did find that Orphan Black was very, like, drama, 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 plot, 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 plot. Yeah. You know? So So exactly like that? Yeah. Okay. I just found, I was like, every time I watch an episode of Orphan Black, like, I would sit down to watch a new episode every week and be like... And then at the end, I'd be like, oh boy, I'm tired, you know? Because <laughs> it's like, I didn't have any reprieve in that entire thing. That's how but I feel about this show. This show has some fun moments, a la Murphy. Also from that anon on SoundCloud, I assume? Um, to be fair, Riker wasn't just saving his own ass, he was saving his family and also Sanctumites from being killed in the war that would absolutely break out if the Primes were murdered by Space Crew. So we definitely, I have Riker thoughts. And I'm really excited to share them with you because we had a, we sparked a whole Riker conversation on our Twitter this week and it was fun. Um, they also said that the original plan of like for making Nightblood mm-hmm. was to synthesize it in zero G with Becca's recipe. But since they didn't have the fuel to do that, they had to resort to Luna's bone marrow. That's the entire reason why they went through all that crap in the lab. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes we forget things because, you know, there's been six seasons of this show and there's a lot to remember and a lot of science stuff also. Yeah, I hated that plot line. Like, what, yeah. even when they were doing it, I was like, okay. The whole Becca's lab, honestly, I didn't like most of season four, but, but the whole Becca's lab thing did not work. Um, but we appreciate everybody who um, reminds us reminds us and uh, corrects us. Yeah, keeps us stuff. honest and uh, informed. Like, I'm not out here trying to confuse people <laughs> by saying they're yeah, not I'm saying confused too, so. enough, like, on my yeah. own. Um, our friend Joanna, who is at Veridissima on Twitter, my theory is that Dioza, like most people, chose her equivalent to the green box and people finding their happiness there, they never leave. So her theory, yeah, which I think is very cool, friggin' brilliant, is that the reason why no one ever comes out of the anomaly is because they always choose the green box and they don't want to leave. Yep. And since Octavia is a hoe for punishment, was like, I'm choosing the red box, and that's the reason why she was able to leave. But the red box and the green box had to do with a hallucination via the red sun toxin. True. And didn't have anything to do with the anomaly. That's true. But I do I do take that theory. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, our friend Lisa, at Lisa Powell 92 Hey, at the Aficionados. Hey, that's us. Yes. The Blakes and Murphy and Miller would also be 100% dead if they were used as primes because they never took the chip in the first place. Thank you for that's pointing good to remember. that out. Yeah. Another thing regarding the Nightblood science stuff. They needed to go to space to produce it wholesale with the serum, but injecting the marrow into a red bubble also make them a Nightblood. After the plan to go to space failed because of the arrow in the barrel. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah, we figured it out. Great. The one who played young Echo was also left-handed, which was a dead giveaway. Also, is it just me or did she look a lot like young Antari? She kind of did. Mm-hmm. Also, the left-handed thing. I I love an Echo stand. They're like, yeah. um, excuse me. I clocked yeah. this right off the bat. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, let's talk about Riker. Okay. Okay, so um, we asked on Twitter, is Riker a brooding anti-hero? Yeah, because we have literally been debating about this on the podcast Mm -hmm. and then in our real life. Yes, Uh, we did a poll. The answer, no, did win, which I concede for sure. Thank Um, you. That definitely is not going to stop me from liking Riker and relating to him and such. Yeah. So we did have a lot of talk about not even necessarily if he was a brooding anti-hero, but like his reasoning as to why he seems to be so indecisive. 
Yeah, it was a lot of, like, look into who he was as a person. Yeah, so this included mostly um, our friend Nicole, who is at Nicole Anel, uh, our friend Joanna, who we just heard from, our friend Lisa, who we just heard from, and our friend Isra, who is at Isra Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took out, I didn't put every single tweet that was in, like, that whole conversation, so if you don't hear yourself, I'm so sorry, but these are, like, some of the ones that I picked out. Nicole said, although I think I like him more, like, or slash hate him in a fun way now that he fully just sucks, because for a hot, <laughs> for a hot minute, I thought he was just gonna be a boring love interest for somebody. Exactly. 100% as soon as he showed up and he was like, hey, I like machines, and Raven was like, I also like machines, I was like, cool. Okay, well, I guess this is Raven's new love interest immediately after Shaw died. Yep. And I'm glad they didn't do that. Me too. Like, I I think I'm, like, on the record being like, I'd be down for it. Like, sure. You're like, but, why but, not? But that wasn't me being like, because Raven loves a rebound. It was mostly just because Riker seems interesting. Yep. And honestly, he seems more interesting than Shaw, in my opinion. I mean, it's your opinion that you're right about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Joanna said, it's choosing between his morals and his family. It's him believing he can do the right thing and then being reminded that the people he calls family and loves are going to die for it. Right. Yeah. The problem is that the people he calls family also are bad people. And are usually about five steps away from killing him as well. Yeah. Isra said, I understand the internal anguish, but the constant back and forth was hard for me. He doesn't need to choose right away, but he seemed to make decisions and then immediately take them back, which just tells me he didn't think about them long enough. Yep. I agree. Uh, Joanna said, yeah, he wasn't my favorite prime or the most interesting, but I definitely relate to his indecision about this because it feels real. This desire to do the right thing, but when faced with morality, it stops him. Like last episode, he stopped when he saw a weapon pointed at Russell. And then Robin was like, I gotta jump in because I actually have thoughts on this. And I said, if Russell is gone, the only primes that are left, other than like Josie, but she was like off yonder at that point, is just him and his mom. Yep. And even though he's like working with our heroes, he knows that they are ultimately against him. Yeah, like they will screw him over. Yeah. Russell is the only protection for his family right now. Like he, and also he like just got his mom back. Like how many years had he, has he not had his mom? Yep. You know? And then Sam was like, whoa, they've already had 200 years. And I was like, I would love 200 years with my mom. Sorry, I love my mom, Sam. Yeah, you uh, (laughs) roasted her into the ground. She was not pleased. And then Joanna said- Sam was Sam Casey, just by the way. Yeah. Uh, Joanna said, exactly. It's probably not often family members are alive at the same time, especially after he burned the nightblood embryos. This is why Vincent is the true- I think she was talking- Gabriel did that, right? Burn the blood embryos. Yeah. This is why Vincent V. Was it Vi? What's his last name? Maya? Maya Vi? Maya V? V. Okay, V. This is why Vincent V is the truest hero of the series. He helped our people knowing that he and Mount Weather were going to die. He put morals above, which is hard to do. Yep. And then Lisa said, immoral, but he has a fatal flaw, which is the protectedness protectiveness of his prime family that leads to his undoing slash fall from grace his death was both satisfying and sad for me but i had no doubt it was coming based on this trope exactly so um i have more thoughts about priya and Riker this episode um that i'm excited to talk about okay um because even after Riker is dead like mostly we have just seen like Riker, 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 Mm -hmm. but like seeing priya and seeing how much she loves her son in this episode even though he wasn't even alive like I loved that part that was part of yeah Priya got to mourn Riker more than Abby got to mourn Kane go off I know that I'm right and that's upsetting we also got a dm from Denise who is at nvghost005 I think I think it's just zero let's find out you're right oh I love being a genius yep okay uh that uh Brittany go ahead okay so She wrote, and I I love this DM. Hello, so in the interest of transparency, after episode 610, I decided to let the rest of season 6 of The 100 accumulate on the DVR. 
not because of the Bellarchy stuff, but because of Jason's tweet that said we were going to be quote unquote triggered by some sort of event in 610. My expectations from his tweet was that we were going to see a major character death. So all the Clark resurrection stuff just blew past me because I was too busy looking for the trigger moment. And when it didn't happen, I got so pissed where I couldn't even enjoy Clark's resurrection scene. Yes, his tweet may well have been hype for the show, but it was also irresponsible to infer something that may happen so traumatic that the audience would be triggered. And it didn't happen is BS. That was the final straw for me in dealing with Jason's drama queening. As much as I love Lexa, I could care less if he brings her back now. It won't make me, it won't bring me back to the show, a show that I loved watching. I don't care if he makes a prequel series of The Grounders, which I was stoked for. Um, just as an aside, the prequel series, I believe, is a novel. Oh, okay. Um, not a, not a actual show. show. Like, it's just, it's just a book. He's, he's writing a book about Cass Morgan's book series. I don't know. So fan fiction. You know what? Basically, yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to the DM. I will never support anything he does again. He has taken me for a ride for the last time. However, I love you guys and shall continue to listen to your podcast because you're the best, even though I have no context of what you're talking about with regard to The 100, and I watch Riverdale and so enjoy your podcast about that show. Keep right on doing what you're doing. You're a fantastic and a joy to listen to. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just going to go and let everyone know like what that tweet was. We do have people listening to our Riverdale podcast that don't watch Riverdale. And we try and like make our Riverdale podcast like pretty easy to listen to, even if you don't watch the show. Yep. Um, so if you guys are feeling like you're not going to watch past this season, all the power to you. But if you feel like joining us for next season, like you can. <laughs> and come hang out on our Riverdale pod just because yeah. um, we have a lot of fun on that podcast. If you, yeah. If you don't want to watch Riverdale, you don't have to. You can still listen <laughs> yeah. to our podcast. Oh, it's dope. <laughs> All right. Okay. So here's Jason's tweet. Show day. Consider this your trigger warning with a caution sign and then hashtag the hundred. So this happened after Kane's death when a lot of people were talking about the carelessness with which the hundred deals with suicide. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing this was his response to that, which is consider this your trigger warning snowflakes. So that tweet I thought was incredibly disrespectful. And then just the way that some of the writers have conducted themselves since uh, like even what happened to like Abby, um, everything that's happened with Kane, um, things that Jason has done publicly and privately involving journalists and other professional people. I, I know I personally am sort of trying to appeal to him to try and make a change, um, to try and, you know, positively reinforce positive change, you know, really be like, you know what, I get it. Maybe you come from a place of privilege. Maybe I can use my own privilege to help show you what you're doing wrong. You know, like, here's here's why people like me are upset. And, you know, let's, let's do positive reinforcement. Let's work on constructive criticism. And, you know, Metastation did that. And we all worked really hard on just being like, hey, Jason, listen, the show is on. We love this show. What happened to Alexa was disgusting. And that'll haunt you for the rest of your career here's what you can do to avoid that again. And instead of avoiding that again, he just kept perpetuating it. In my opinion, especially after seeing what happened this week, I think that we were given lip service that change was going to happen and then it went in one ear and out the other. And at the end of the day, I think we were emotionally just assassinated. And you know what? I do blame myself for that. I think sometimes when someone shows you who he is, you should believe him. So he did when he killed Lexa and everything after that is just like, well, I, you know what? God, I probably should have seen that coming. So when he posted the trigger warning tweet, that shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was. He doesn't understand that things that happen in popular culture have a massive shockwave effect on politics, on society. Like, I just don't think that that's something that a lot of 
men in Hollywood understand. So maybe one day there will be a show that we are super dedicated to that is, you know, something like Winona Earp, actually. It is not even one day. It already exists. And, you know, things like Winona Earp, Euphoria, anything that, like, is thoughtfully done by someone who is not a white dude will be something that we podcast about. But right now it's not. Um, we also got a email from Leo, who is at XO Loveleone underscore SS, who we do hear from sometimes. Mm-hmm. I asked them if they wanted to send in a voicemail. Mm-hmm. So I have a few thoughts on the last Riker and Echo scene, including Echo's backstory, that I just needed to let out. I totally loved that scene so much, and it had some interesting layers to it that I loved getting into. I can't take full credit for most of these thoughts since I am constantly influenced by the awesome matters on Tumblr I read every week and by the awesome members of the Beko group chat on Discord. Shout out to all of you guys. So for my first thought, I don't know if this was intentional or just a coincidence, but Echo's favorite spy tactic seems to be throwing people off their game by simply being honest. She did it in season 5 with Dioza when she completely came clean about most of her past and about being a spy only withholding the real reason for her defection from one crew, and she did it again this episode with Riker, when she innocently nodded after he accused her of stalling, which to me was hilarious to watch by the way, and then when she told him the story of how she became Echo. I don't know if this is in any way important, but it was just a funny pattern I realized she seems to have. I love that. Mm-hmm. She's, she's such a good spy. And that's so true. She does just sort of shockingly tell the truth. Yeah, there are some characters that this show does really well in which it's like very in character all the time, you mm-hmm. know? Echo um, is in character all the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, so for example, if I can bring up Lost pretty much immediately. Did we, you just time check to see how long it took you to bring up Lost? Yes. Before editing people, it was 24 minutes. Yeah, so I had been talking on Twitter about Lost recently, which is like... <laughs> wow, know, what else is new? My favorite thing to do, I don't know. Um, and we were talking about the main character of Lost, whose name is Jack Shepard. Oh. And he is the epitome of straight white male. He's a spinal surgeon. He's, he's entitled. He's, you know, he's just that guy, right? But like, even though Jack is so annoying, a lot of the series, he's it's worth watching just because of all the other characters. And like, if you are rolling your eyes at Jack, probably the other characters in the scene are also rolling their eyes at Jack. Yeah. And our friend John, who is at John Delaporta, was saying that one of his favorite things about Jack though, is that um, every time that we are annoyed with Jack, it's on purpose. Yeah. You know, like we have seen Jack be right, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause sometimes we see Jack be wrong all we, the time. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like his thing. But sometimes we see him when him when he's right, and we see him when he's charming, and when he's funny, and when he's fun. Not that often, yeah. but we we do see that, right? So every time that we see him annoying, entitled, a jerk, hero mm-hmm. complex Jack, it's always on purpose. Yeah. And Damon Lindelof, who's the main showrunner, as well, Carl, Carlton Cuse also becomes the main, main showrunner, and Matthew Fox, who played Jack, knew what they were doing the entire time. Yes. You know, and one of the other things John was saying is that never in the entire series do you think that Jack is out of character. Every no. single thing that Jack does, even when he's being a complete like off the wall lunatic, Tool? yeah, yeah, you're like, I know why he's doing this. Exactly. Yeah. Like, of course he would do that. You know. Yeah. Of course Jack's being a tool bag about everything. But him being a tool, the way he is a tool, yeah, is specific only to Jack. Yeah. Exactly. 
So that's one way. So I really love you pointing out like this whole thing about Echo and how it's like she has her her favorite spy tactic and she's yeah. used it more than once. It that's so like it it calls to good writing in in that moment for yeah for Echo. Yeah, I mean the brilliance of that is like I think it's probably an accident mm-hmm. that that's how Echo is because they don't write Echo a lot. And they the need hun- to give yeah. her a backstory. The hundred tends to do the best with its minor characters, just because because they're not given a lot of attention. They kind of are always consistent, mm-hmm. you know. Like um, someone like Harper, yeah, you know, was always like she. You could see the slow evolution because she didn't get a lot of screen time, so they didn't have to push her to do things for the plot. Mm-hmm. She could just develop organically in the background. Mm-hmm. As a second thought. I just wanted to say how much Echo's backstory broke my heart. Not only did she have to kill her friends so she wouldn't die herself, but she also got completely dehumanized and depersonalized by Nia when she forced her to take on the identity of the friend who just died at her hands. Imagining the torment this little girl must have gone through while wearing this name that is now a constant reminder of probably one of her most traumatic experiences in her life just breaks my heart. How long do you think it took until this new name, this mask she now constantly wore, became her own identity. In a way, I think not having her own identity probably became her identity, which in turn explains why she was so devoted and loyal to Asgeta. She found her new identity in this complete loyalty to her clan, since being Asgaden was probably the only thing that she had left from her life before becoming Echo. I think that's that's exactly it. Like, Asgeta gave her her identity. Not having her own identity probably became her identity. It's the most beautiful thing anyone's ever totally, said. Totally. 100%. I love that. Yeah. I know the Echo fandom has joked and talked about this for a pretty long time already, but this flashback reveals in a very poetic but sad way how Ash, after being forced to take on this new name, became a literal echo of her former friend. People have always talked about how her name fits her character and job as a spy very much, but this just hammers it in even more and gives her character and name a whole new, very sad layer. Once again, Echo's character just breaks my heart and all I want to do is give this woman a big long hug because she truly deserves it. Shout out to the Echo fandom. Yeah, I y'all probably go through a lot mm-hmm. and I, I'm here for you and I respect you. I feel like I only ever see like a few Echo fandom people like around my circles. Yeah. And I just want to say how much I love and support you all. You're all valid. You're all beautiful. I respect you so much. I hope your crops are watered and your acne's cleared. <laughs> Your bank account's full. Oh, so fat bank accounts. Lord knows mine is fat. On to my third thought. I don't want to get too much into it since this email is already getting pretty long. But I think the reason why Echo never told anyone this particular story before is because she is simply not ready. This and the story she told Bellamy in 604 are probably the two most traumatic memories she has. And Echo is already not a very open character to begin with. Echo strikes me as the type of person who likes to keep these kind of things bottled up and doesn't like to dwell on them. Very out of sight, out of mind. Only revisiting these memories if she really has to, to spare herself from the pain they cause. In my opinion, this is just how Echo deals with trauma and it makes sense for the life she lived up until becoming part of Space Crew. Constantly thinking about all these horrible things that happen to you won't help you survive and do your job as a spy well. The only thing it does is distract you And so keeping these things suppressed is a means of survival and a learned behavior that isn't easily unlearned. So her not talking to anyone about this, not even Bellamy, 
makes total sense for Echo's character. I think that's completely correct. Mm -hmm. Agree. And I think that's also a really good point that I think her readiness is probably, I mean, obviously serves a plot reason, but also she's on a new planet. It's a new life. She can start to be open about these things, you know? Mm -hmm. And her being open about her past with Riker probably in in Robin's opinion would have saved her life Mm. in my opinion I don't think it would have done anything but we'll just always disagree on this sure my fourth and final thought is about why Echo told Riker this story I think Echo didn't just choose to tell this particular story to Riker to stall and to try and show him what will happen to him and how it will change him once he kills someone she also tried to teach him another lesson you could even say she tried to give him a warning about what he needs to do or rather not do once he made up his mind about whether to kill her or not and Riker did not get that lesson at all. Echo told him about probably one of the most important lessons Nia taught her. Hesitation is death. Hesitation is what got the original Echo killed. She hesitated in killing that Sangeta crew man, and she hesitated again in killing Ash, giving Ash the ultimate chance to kill Echo herself. Hesitation on someone else's part has led to our Echo's survival once before. Had Riker listened to that part of her story, he would not have hesitated to kill Echo after she gave him one last chance to honor that deal, and he refused it. At that point, he should have just gone through with killing her, but when she struggled a little too much for his liking, he hesitated once again and called for the guards, instead of just ramming that needle into her arm on his own. Echo was restrained. He could have totally done it, but he didn't. Riker spent the entire episode hesitating and walking the fence on what side to choose. And even after Echo tried to give him this lesson about needing to be decisive in these kinds of situations, he still didn't change and he hesitated, which ultimately ended in Echo being freed by Miller and Gaia. The fact that Riker died hesitating and being indecisive is like literally him. Yep. Riker isn't even out of character ever because he always just like is like <laughs> every time. Well, Riker's an easy character to write because if you never make a decision, you can have that character do anything. True. At that point, in complete contrast to Riker's actions just a few seconds ago, Echo gets up and without any hesitation at all, she grabs the next best thing she can find and immediately stabs Riker in the gut, whispering the lesson Riker didn't hear and the words Nia told Echo that stuck with her ever since this fateful day in the forest one last time before he dies. Hesitation is death. Hesitation on someone else's part once again led to our Echo's survival. And this is a mistake Echo learned never to do. If this isn't poetic, I don't know what is. At this point, I just wanted to say I definitely got this whole thought from a meta from the lovely Ad Murphy started the fire on Tumblr. I just wanted to shout her out since I don't want to take full credit for this one. I definitely didn't come up with this one on my own and I just elaborated on it a bit. Wait, isn't that Nicole? Is it Nicole? (laughs) I'm pretty sure Murphy started the fire is Nicole. I thought Nicole was at Nicole Linnell. She has two accounts. Murphy started the fight. Because I follow that blog. I feel like I do too. It's Nicole. At Nicole Linnell on Twitter. <laughs> Call up host Nicole yeah. is a genius. Yeah. As a last thought, I just wanted to tell you guys how much I love and appreciate your podcast. Currently, you are the only pod that I listen to. And as a member of the comparatively small Echo and Becco fandom, I really appreciate how much you guys enjoy Echo's character. I always know I can come to your podcast and enjoy your takes on Echo's character specifically, but also for the other characters as well. I love hearing your opinions on the show every week, even if I sometimes don't agree 100%. 
I am part of the Octavia Stan fandom, and I sit and wait every weekend for your podcast to be uploaded. Normally, up until now, I only commented on Twitter, and it mostly consisted of giving you guys corrections on things. So this time, I just wanted to take the time to tell you how much I love and appreciate you, and that I really look forward to your future The 100 podcasts. With much love and respect, Leo. Guys. Thank you. That's so nice. This is such a good like example of why you always have to treat every character with respect. You don't know who's listening. And like, especially when they were like, you know, like I am an Octavia Stan and I'm like, I want you to know it is so valid to be an Octavia Stan. Yeah. And I understand it must be so frustrating to be an Octavia mm-hmm. Stan. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the Raven fandom probably like is like, what's, what's going on this season? You know, L- literally, especially after this episode, mm-hmm. you're like, what? What? Yeah, so... Yeah. But yeah, we get it. And um, thank you very much. We also got a voicemail from our good friend Casey. I do believe that it is very much about, like, this episode in particular. So if you are one of those people who isn't watching the show and is only listening to the podcast, we don't want to spoil anything for you. Oh my god. (laughs) So I think we're going to actually play Casey's voicemail later in the podcast. Okay. So... Let's just get started. Yeah. So obviously I did the notes this uh, episode because um, Brittany didn't want to, which is fair. And we're just going to go chronologically through this episode because I found that it's like, if you tried to break it up, you're like, Russell's in every single one. Yep. So it'd be kind of hard. So, okay, here we go. Also, sorry if I'm an ass during this podcast, but I think y'all would understand why by now. (laughs) Just be an ass during that one storyline and the rest of it be nicely. I'll be nice if you'll see. Okay. I don't know what that means. Good. I'm scared. Russell is doing some chip stuff in Clark's neck (laughs) (laughs) while telling her all the propaganda garbage that's been happening. The need to put a stop to it. Mad Hedda wakes up. Mad. We'll see. Okay. It was like either I could choose Shade. so good. Either I could choose Shade Maddie, but I thought Mad Hedda was funny because it sounds like Mad Hatter. Mad Hedda is brilliant. Thank you. But it's also like Maddie is Hedda because she has the, there are many layers. Yo, it's tragic that you didn't think of that sooner. There are many layers. Okay. Mad Hedda wakes up and tells them that they're all going to burn, which, since this is the episode before the finale, probably, they call in Jackson and Raven and also Abby, who is majorly distraught about Josie slash Clark. Yeah. Clark has to continue to pretend to be her, which is kind of badass. Yeah. She's getting her done. Yeah. They need two more doses of night blood, but Maddie won't survive that. Russell says, IDK, figure it out. Abby cries. Uh... I mean, it's nice that Abby finally got to mourn after learning her daughter was dead two episodes ago. Yeah. Now she finally gets to see her and she's like, oh, I thought y'all were lying. Yeah, I was like, okay, I mean, where was this two episodes ago? But whatever. I thought y'all were lying. I gotta be honest. Yeah. How long was Maddie listening? Like the whole time. Because she was like, and then she opened her eyes and she was like, oh, you guys, I'm so mad. I don't know how long she was listening. But anyway, she also says, we are eternal when she's yelling at them. Uh. What is that supposed to mean? Like, is that Shade Hedda talking and being like, us commanders are eternal because we're in the flame? It's like, yeah, I think that means like the commanders are mortal. Yeah. I mean, it's like, she's like, we are eternal. And he's like, same, shut up. Russell's like, okay, and so, but Shade Hedda has clearly like fully taken over now because it's like talking. Is there anything of Maddie left? There's no Maddie in there. It's literally just Shade Hedda. The phrase peachy keen Josephine, she, how is she so good at this? And she said toodaloo. Yeah, I was like, where are you getting these, like, words from? Like, it's it's very Josie, but it's also, like, a lot of them in one scene. So I'm like, okay, Clark, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Tone it down a little You're bit. Like, hey, They're going to be able to tell. Hold up, hold up. Yeah. Abby's like, yo, I'm going to kill you for this. And Russell says, I killed my whole family and I would have done anything to bring them back. And I was like, and you did. 
Yeah. I mean, so congrats. You and Abby have a lot in common. You both did the same thing. Way to go. So they need to bring back six primes tonight. Simone, the three Masons, and two of the Lees, but not really? Because the Lees are gone. Like, who all is being lied to about the Lees? You know, because I thought it was like the Masons were being lied to, but then later Miranda is like, why'd you kill the Lees? And then like, is it for the guards? Because then he starts talking about it in front of the guards. I was just really um, unclear about who all knows about the Lees being dead. I feel like it makes no sense at this point that like they're hiding it. Like... Also, one other thing that wasn't very clear is that he's like, we still need the the doses for the Lees. And Why? That, and that they used, like, and then she was like, don't you have one more dose or like whatever? So does that mean that Murphy and Amori have been turned into nightbloods for sure? I don't think so. Because it was like, Abby said, like, you have one dose left or whatever. Like, it seems like they have legit been turned into nightbloods. I'm like, do they have the mind shift? I in? didn't think about that. I don't think they have the chips, but I, if I they're Nightbloods, so I'm already worried about Amori. Yeah. Murphy, yeah. I'm not worried about because he's a cockroach. Yeah. But, I mean, it's this show. Yeah. 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 And it's the finale. Ooh. Hey, but you know what? Actually, track records, main characters don't die in the finales. True. Who, they, died, who died in the season one finale? Anybody other than just a bunch of grounders? I don't think so. Season two finale? Season two was like the the big bads died. Yeah. Oh yeah, like yeah. the big bads of the season, like the yeah. like the main the characters don't die in the finale. Season three, Charles Pike died in the finale. Yeah. Season four finale, um, we lost like well, actually, I think it was like four twelve, like Dad Miller and yeah. everyone. But um, okay, I think I think the body count for this season is probably just gonna be Kane and Abby. I mean, season five was McCreary, but then Monty and Harper, but they got peaceful deaths. Correct. I wish Cabby could. Really yeah. Yeah. And then, so yeah, we don't know about this season yet. Yeah. Interesting. Octavia, Bellamy, Gabriel, and the other cogs get to the radiation fence. It is not down yet. Bell says Gabriel can go in because he has nightblood. Octavia yes. says he shouldn't worry so much and to have faith. Yes, Octavia said that. What? Like, what? They were like, no, he can't go in. They know what he looks like because of Jade. And I'm like, just because Jade knew what he looked like doesn't mean she had a picture of him. That's a good point. Like, all the other, like, guards are like, that's him! And I'm like, what? Wait, how do you know? Like, did Jade, like, memorize his face and go home and, like, draw, draw a picture? A picture? And, and even then, he was going to look different because your memory's not going to remember every single thing about his I face. I think the writers forgot that he wasn't still, like, old Gabriel. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, of course they would recognize him on site. And it's like, no. no. <laughs> He's in Xavier's body. Good job, though, guys. Octavia saying nice things about Echo? Who is this? She was literally so mean about Echo last season. Octavia had a personality transplant in order to serve the plot. Let's yeah. just say it, shall we? Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. They just, yeah. they just need her to be like a functional character again because they need a, someone who's positive and is going to be like the cheerleader. Well, at least it's not like Cheryl Blossom in season one of Riverdale. Can you explain that? Sorry, do you mean Cheryl Blossom in every season of Riverdale? I guess that's fair, but it was really bad in season one and two. Cheryl's personality changes depending on what episode it is. Like, kind of spoilers for season two of Riverdale, but I don't think you care if you're listening, yeah, <laughs> if you're there's, listening to this. There's so much that happens in Riverdale, by the time you watch it, you'll have forgotten this spoiler. Oh, fully. But, like, there's this one thing in which, like, something terrible is happening to Josie. There's, like, creepy things being sent to her and everything. And then we're like, oh my gosh, dead animal Chuck. Yeah, yeah, like, it's gross. And we're like, oh my god, it's Chuck. And then it turns out it was Cheryl the entire time. And then, like, next episode, they're like, hey, Cheryl, 
now. And like and no one's like concerned about the fact that Cheryl had been doing this. And like it's like a whole thing and and it like Cheryl and Josie are continuing to be friends and stuff and I'm like I'm not going to forget about that horribly oh like abusive kind of behavior that Cheryl I mean, was ex- exhibiting. They did sing out their feelings about the situation in the musical episode. That's true. And then no one ever brought up the fact that Cheryl sent dead animal parts to Josie to try and gaslight her into being mm-hmm. her girlfriend. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> at least it's not that. I mean, like, the thing about Riverdale is it knows what it is. Yeah. So if it does stuff like that, it's like, yeah, we're not, like, highbrow television. We're Riverdale. Yeah. Um, I like how Octavia's like, well, Murphy said he would help. And Bellamy's like, cool. Bellamy's like, um. That doesn't help me. That doesn't yeah. make me feel better at all. Have you seen all of the stuff that Murphy's done this season? Yeah. I don't know, man. And then I just wanted to, like, I guess give a shout out to Man of Faith Octavia. She uses the word faith. Since what? Have Literally, she, she went on one like white person retreat and all of a sudden she is a new she is a new woman with new beliefs i'm like who who's who a bad are you? trip is what it was yeah she had one bad trip and changed her life mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm fine with it yeah. like for the record i would rather have likable octavia but yeah. i'm like what it's just such a such a huge flip that it's like Ew. it's it's so abrupt where i'm like yeah it, sometimes it's really obvious that different writers write different episodes. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, this is a new personality. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I was about to say that, like, talking with Pike for a quick sec and then, like, defeating yourself isn't going to change your entire personality. But I think it was clear before that even happened that she was, like, kind of ready for it, you know? Yeah, she was was ready. She was, like, trying to be a better person, and that was, like, the final thing where it was like, okay, I can do it. So, I mean, I'll take it, but it is very abrupt. Yeah, it's jarring. Yeah. Eh. Every time she does something like like that, I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Because I spent so many seasons building her to Blood Reina. Yeah. Just to flip it like that, and I'm just like, I mean, like, I'm not mad at her being nice again. Mm -hmm. I'm just mad that y'all thought you could get away with that. It's interesting. We've never seen this Octavia before. Like, I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen a lot of this Octavia yet. Kind of like season two Octavia. Well, I was gonna say I was gonna say that like it's it's like even more quote-unquote peaceful than season one Octavia. Oh, for sure, Even season one Octavia was a brat. It's literally, it's like Octavia is a pacifist now. Brat in a good way, by the way. Yeah, like, it's kind of like Octavia all of a sudden started listening to, like, the pacifist side of Kane and was like, yeah, um, I'm a woman of peace now. (laughs) Throw them up. Yay, I love peace. Flower power. Flower power. And I'm like, okay. Okay. I guess they needed a pacifist and they airlocked Kane, so now Mm. it's Octavia. Hmm. Emory and Murphy get some food. I it's love them so much. Been given to them. Emory feels like they're doing some major betraying right now, but Murphy believes they can convince the Primes that their friends are good for the Primes' best interest. Russell and Josie have a domestic little tiff about who will plan the naming party. Emory asks about Echo, and Clark puts them in their place, saying that if they're Primes, they're staking this for them as well. She makes Russell promise not to resurrect Simone without her. So I guess Josie's parties suck. I guess so. I mean, probably. She's probably like, I bet you she doesn't even inflate balloons for them. Oh, probably not. You know? Like, she's such a... You know what it is? You know, or she has complete ragers and they're just inappropriate. Mm. Well, like, what's that thing? Like, whose birthday was it on The Office? Kelly's. It is your birthday. And it, it was brown, uninflated balloons. And I hate that you knew what I was referencing. <laughs> it's just the banner that says, it is your birthday. And then they had, like, the Who brown did that? balloons. Jim and Dwight. Yeah good wow cool i'm glad we we share a brain but okay so she's like please don't resurrect simone without me and he's like okay but then he does like when they go to like go get echo and she's like there he's like oh good you're here i was told you were gonna have a nap 
or like you were you weren't going to sleep so i was just gonna do it without you even though you asked me not to and then later he does and i'm like what are you doing so it was like what was the point of this then yeah make it make sense yeah i don't okay. make the entire simone plot line make sense you can't <laughs> Uh, Russell tells him about the Lees, but not the- Okay, so yeah, he literally is like, Hey, Murphy and Amore, now that Clark has- Or now that Josie has walked away, let me tell you about your new identities. But doesn't tell them that they're brother and sister? Isn't that, like, the first thing you tell them? When your last name is both Lee? Did, did they think they were the- I think it was, like, for the effect. Did they think they were the parents? Yeah. Did they think that they were Faye and Victor? Yes, they did. Why didn't he just make them Faye and Victor? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was so that they could do that joke, and that's yeah. one of the few times where I'm like, I'll allow it. That, that was, was a funny. funny joke. Yeah, I'll I'll take. I'll it. allow it. So I do have to say that my like map of the primes that I made was like pretty freaking accurate, and yes, I'm a real, real, really proud of it. And you were going um, off of nothing, out of off of basically nothing. Yeah, but I did make. Daniel the dad and Victor the brother and I apologize for that that was one of the one mistakes that I made I think because I even guessed that Miranda and this other guy like that that, that must have been their family like I, I had that even yeah no you you so, got most of it that was the only thing you messed up I think that I don't know why I thought that I think I know why I thought that. Do you remember at the very beginning of the season mm -hmm. when Faye was like, tr was like had a gun on Dioza or whatever, and she was like, show us Danny, show us Danny. For some reason, I was like, that's her husband and not that's her, her son. Wait, yeah. Yeah. Because the why older- Why did we- Because I thought it was really cool because remember, Dioza like killed the older guy first. Yeah. And we thought, oh my gosh, how crazy is it that her son is so much older than her, right? primes science whoa that's crazy but it turns out that was her husband or did we have it right and the writers got it wrong uh i have to go back and look yeah but because i feel like we had that right the, the i think the other thing that like that was already in my head so i don't i don't know if i count this as a another piece of evidence but it was something that like continued on my thinking that yeah. Danny was the dad. Is that like when you looked at the um, list of of the Lees on the thing before Simone erased them? Yeah. It went Danny, Faye, Kaylee, Victor. Okay. And right. so I thought it went oldest to youngest. But what it was, Brittany, was, was alphabetical. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm. Okay. <clears throat> Do you understand how I got there, though? You know what? Because that would be the more logical way to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's what happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just going to have to take that L. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't deserve that L, though, man. Thanks. I was with you. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Okay. So Russell tells them about the Lees. Also right in front of this other lady, question mark. Oops. There's a lady who brings them food. And he's just like, let me tell you about your new identities. Like, what does she think? Like, before I kill you, let me tell you what the people you're turning into i don't know Maybe like uh, some hot tips on their familial relations would be great sure raven's having a hard time booting shade hedda out of maddie's mind without becca's notebook she's going to keep trying because if she wakes up again he'll kill her like shade hedda will kill maddie so becca's notebook is still gone it's still in the in riker's shop even though gaia and miller and echo were all in there and no one thought to grab it i guess so or it's like under the shop or something i feel like it's like meh, for some reason okay anyway um, Abby injects herself with the serum so they can take the extractions out of her instead. Abby and Jackson talk about morals. Clark enters and reveals herself as Clark. Everyone is happy. It doesn't stop Clark from being worried about Maddie, though. 
Clark asks Raven to go with her, but Raven decides to stay with Maddie. So this begins like the, well, not begins, but sort of adds the like the quick wrap up of Abby's storyline over two seasons Mm -hmm. is all of a sudden because she's doing it, the act is no longer the act of a war criminal. Mm. And I'm like, like that conversation with Jackson just jarred me so much. It was kind of weird. It was so weird. And that's why that was the first clip that was released. Mm-hmm. and I knew immediately. Mm-hmm. They released that clip, and I was like, they're killing her tonight. Mm-hmm. I know it in my bones. And I mean, of course, it was right, because they were having her make amends as quickly as possible by just slapping a Band-Aid on stuff and being like, yeah, um, Jackson, by the way, even though the stuff that we did was, like, war criminal-ish, I'm going to forgive you of those sins, because one, I have also committed them, and two, I need to die with both of us having maximum emotional involvement with each other. So... Would you say that Abby thought she was going to die? Because that's the that's the impression that I got. I think that Abby knew that she was going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the thing with Abby is that she's been ready to die since the end of season four. Mm-hmm. You know, she's kind of been looking at I think that's the thing that like a lot of people like to dismiss about Abby is that she's been she asked to be on the other side of the door. Yeah, she's been suicidal since the end of season four. Like Abby is mentally ill. Like, and she's been mentally ill for a while. And, you know, people really love to ignore that. And I just don't have time for it. So whatever. But I think there is a distinct possibility that while she may not have known she was going to die, she might have been at peace with knowing it could happen. I was under the impression after having seen it once and in the middle of my watch while doing mm-hmm. notes was that she was going to be like, I, I, I thought that she thought that she was going to die, but I didn't. But it was clear that she didn't think that she was going to die by, like, becoming a prime. Like, she was very surprised yeah. by that. But what I thought was that, like, because they were like, these ast- extractions are going to kill Maddie, she was like, let She'll the, die, let the, the extractions kill me instead. I think the thing that Sam pointed out, who is Sam KCC on Twitter, you should read her reviews at Telltale TV because her review did everything that I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. She said that this was the first time that Abby actually wanted to live. Oh, which is a really good point. She said to Jackson, we turn the page. Mm-hmm. She said to Raven, you're my family. She was ready to fix all of these relationships, move forward. I mean, I guess, I mean, what's a cane? Never heard of him. Um, they they only brought him up once. They brought him up once to quote something from season four that Kane said to Bellamy? Yeah. I, I guess? I know. When you said that, I was like, was Abby even there? And it turned out she was there. So we're, we're good she there. She was in the background of that scene talking to Clark. So she didn't even hear, potentially? Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. And that mm-hmm. was, that, like, the... The part, the thing about that line is that Kane was talking to Bellamy about like his slaughter of three hundred people. And so yeah, like, wasn't that when Bell? Wait, he was like on the radio with Bellamy at that point, right? No, no, no. no. Oh, that's or this was season, when they that were, was season four. This right? was four oh one when they were leaving Polis. Clark and Bellamy left Polis. Kane and Abby stayed behind. Okay, and yes. Marcus said or Kane says we, you know, you turn the page. You do better than you did yesterday. I know you killed a bunch of people, but you're still alive, so keep going. And so, like, literally Abby saying that to Jackson, I was like, what? <laughs> I feel like in 402, when they were, like, getting it on a bunch of times, he's like, you better hear this dope line I told to Bellamy yesterday. Oh, my God. And she was like, I'll remember. <laughs> she was like, thanks, babe. That was really helpful. Can you stop bringing up Bellamy in the bedroom? It's yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> so, yeah, the fact that, like, that conversation was Jack- with Jackson, I was just like, okay. All right. Okay. It was nice that she got to reconcile with Clark. Again, though, it was just sort of like, oh, okay, we're foreshadowing that she's going to die. Right. So now they need three out of out of Abby because she took one. Like, they asked... 
They needed two more out of Maddie mm-hmm. because Abby took one. They now need three out of Abby, mm-hmm. to be clear. Did Clark know about Shade Hedda before she got Josephide? No. So does she know about Shade Hedda from being with the flame herself? I like we talked about this a couple podcasts ago where we were like, does Clark have any idea what's happening with Maddie? And from what we've been able to tell, because it happened way before then, we have no clue or I guess Gaia and Clark may have discussed it at some point off screen. It sound, it makes me think that potentially she might have talked about it with Bellamy because maybe she and Bellamy had some time and Bellamy knew about it. So Well, Gaia had said like when Gaia was talking to Clark about Maddie, there was sort of an assumed understanding between them that Gaia assumed that Clark knew what she was talking about with Shade Hedda and needing rest and going through all these rituals and stuff. Sorry. This was a, oh, this while was she was way earlier in the season, the first time that Josie played Clark. But Clark was not seeing Josie's memories at that point, or did she go through? I mean, this. I mean, this was way before. This was like the day after Josie became Clark. Remember, yeah. her first time was going up to the room. I remember. Yeah. yeah, but like, did Clark? I feel like Clark was like brand new to being in like somebody else taking over her head, so she hadn't been there to like watch those. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I don't know. She did have some downtime with Bellamy, so that's why I thought listen, maybe she had been like, how's Maddie? Let's call a plot hole, plot hole. Sure. You know? Clark finds Riker dead, which isn't helpful for her plan. She takes out his chip and keeps it. When Russell and Co. come in, she pretends that Echo stole it. She tells him that she'll handle getting it back and she'll get Priya to help. Interesting that she was like, I know Echo can handle me, like, handing her this. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay, so um, if someone accuses you of having a chip, you do. Just you say that it. you have a chip, <laughs> okay? My, I only had two notes about this scene. was smart to say she was just in here because Echo is turning into her mom. Clark's so smart. She's, <laughs> she's so smart. Those are my two notes. Yeah. Clark's so smart. Yeah, this is like, I just, I think it speaks a lot to like how much Clark trusts Echo. Yeah. That's about it. Raven's still working on the AI, but it keeps booting her out. Russell comes in and sees that Abby is a Nightblood now and is pretty stoked about it. <laughs> my other note was Russell is pumped that Abby is a Nightblood now. That is disgusting. Yay, someone my age. Yeah, and it was like, um, you picked Echo the first time, yeah. so choke. No, he picked Echo and he was like, you'll do, I guess. I need somebody. And then he was at, and then he saw Abby and he was like, awesome. We kind of fit together better. That's, he's disgusting. He's a but disgusting pig. I was thinking like, how weird is it to like be a prime and then be like, oh, yay. <laughs> you know how John Mulaney is like when someone's just like talk, talk, talk and you're like, ooh, it's my turn next. <laughs> like, yeah, that is like, yeah, it just feels like he, it's like if. Russell's like, oh no, Simone died. And then he waits like a bajillion years and he's like, ooh, it's my turn next, you know, to get my yeah. wife. And then Nightblood is born. He's like, yes, that baby will be my wife. Ew. <laughs> you know, like this, like Rose was like growing up and it wasn't as weird because Miranda's just like, oh, that baby is my daughter. But like, yeah. you don't think about the fact that like they grow up and you're like, can't wait for that to be my wife. You know, like Riker was there being like, hi, hi, Delilah, you're going to be my mom one day. Yeah. You know? That's so weird. Um, But it's like weirder with the spouses, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But like this kid is like growing up, she's like eight years old or whatever. And you're still just like, you're being groomed to be my wife. Yeah. When you mm-hmm. think about that too deeply, mm-hmm. it gets disgusting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess Russell is like, I'm used to my wife being a 21 year old. 
So great. Ew. It's like, obviously you're biased, but like, it's so disgustingly sci-fi. Oh yeah. You know, it's like. It's the worst kind of sci-fi. It's sci-fi that eliminates consent. Mm. Raven is absolutely disgusted by Momori because that's her family, right? Yeah. So she's like, it's been six years, fam, but go off. (laughs) Whatever. Love you guys. I love it. But like, I don't know. I just feel like, I know that it's Murphy, but like, I just feel like. In the words of Octavia, have some faith. You know? Yeah. Just be like, he never said it, Raven, but like, Murphy loves you too. And he's so true. And he's gonna, like, he's out here trying his best. Like, of course he's like trying to be immortal and everything. Like, he's he's working towards his own thing, but it's not just that, you know? Like, when Amori is like, sure, wish we could help our friends, and he's like, we are helping your friends, shut up, I'm trying. Yep. You know? Like, he's still, he's still thinking about it. What a wasted dynamic, too. Because Raven and Murphy together are so good. So good. And this is, like, one of the first times they've been together all yeah. season. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell? I love Raven and Murphy. Raven should have been in the middle of this plot the entire time. 100%. Fully agree. Raven spent the whole season yelling at Abby, and now Abby's dead. Congratulations, writers. You did it. You gave Raven a purpose. Um, one thing that Raven did say this uh, scene that I really wanted to bring up before we watch the finale, mm-hmm. because I think this is foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I just don't know exactly how yet. She said, it's like the AI is protecting Shadehead. Becca. So I don't know exactly how that's going to fit in, but I feel like that's important. I Can this plotline die, please? But like, who knows? Because also, they've also given us little tidbits about Shadehead all season and then just been like, so... Uh, that's it. <laughs> you know? How is the Shade Hedda stuff going to fit into that finale? I have no idea. Like, but... P.S., just by the way, there's also a giant time travel device somewhere on this oh, yeah. planet. Just by the way. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be addressed? Probably not. Who knows? I hope we see Dioza next episode. We're not. I know. I just want to see it wrapped hope up. Hope is going to come out of that time uh, like anomaly like fully formed yeah two guards show up near the shield they're combing the fields for cogs i guess you guys aren't great at your job no they talk about the namings gabriel runs across the barrier and gets some info out of one of them they're bringing back all the primes tonight gabriel can't let that happen so he steals the dude's outfit and books it yeah solid scene works i really like the moment like okay so can i talk about lost again yeah this isn't the same because (laughs) Full disclosure, the scene in, in Lost is way better. But, um, <laughs> but like, it gives me these, this kind of vibe. So, like, the moment in which he goes, like, how many primes are coming back? And he goes, all of them, I think. You know? It's a it's kind of, like, even though we know that, it's, like, such a good reveal for Gabriel to be like, ah! You know, like, oh, crap. Screen painting. Ah! But, so there's this thing in season three of Lost, no spoilers, in which there's a character who, like, okay, so the evil people are coming to our heroes mm-hmm. and they think that they're coming tomorrow night right yeah and so we have this other guy who's like kind of in with the the evil people but like kind of not and he gets word that they're not coming tomorrow night they're coming tonight mm-hmm. okay so he like runs 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 and he gets there and they're like what do you what what do you want get away from us because they think he's one of the evil people mm-hmm. and they're like get away and he's like what are you doing shouldn't you be getting ready they're coming and they're like yeah we know they're coming we're gonna be ready for him and he goes and i quote they're not coming tonight wait is that the exact quote? I want to make sure I get it right. You you just said they're not coming tonight. It's like, t- tomorrow? They're coming right. They're coming tonight. They're coming right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, What the hell are you doing here, Carl? They're coming. My people. Sorry you came all this way for nothing, but we already know. Then why are you still here? Because when your people show up here tomorrow night, we're going to be ready for them. Tomorrow? No. No, they're coming tonight.
coming right now! Either, okay, e either way, it's something like, tomorrow, they're not coming tomorrow, they're coming tonight! They're coming right now! They're coming right now! Smash to black title card. It is awesome. And like, we know they're, it's yeah. like, it's kind of like the, like, cause we know they're coming right now, but our people don't know they're coming right now. And like, so it's like you're know. just waiting for them to find out. We're just waiting for the reveal, not for us, but for them. Yep. Like, it was, it kind of, like, gave me that sort of energy, but obviously the last one was, like, like, I think about that scene all the time. Yeah. I literally love that scene. <coughs> the drama of it. <coughs> that scene is, like, the reason why I love Carl. Yep. To be honest, like, yep, I, get I, it. I feel like I would like the character of Carl on Lost, but, like, that's, that's the line delivery why I love Carl. I get it. So, there you go. I'm definitely gonna put a little clip of Carl doing that, because he literally slays it, buddy. I know you know. Oh, I do know. And I know I, I know. I can hear it. They're coming right now! I can hear it. It's so good. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, how do you feel about Gabriel saying that, unlike you, looking straight at Bellamy, I can't sacrifice the few to save the many? I think it depends on which Bellamy you're talking about. Because, mm -hmm. like, see, like, Bellamy has always been someone who puts his family first, of course, yeah. right? Like, he is like that, like, Clark is not like that. Mm -hmm. Like, Clark will put her family first, but she's also all about my people, mm -hmm. um, which is why they've always been sort of, like, balancing the two. It was very much Kane and Abby as well. You know, Abby was looking out for all of humanity. Kane was looking out for little pocket of humanity. So I think, like, does that track with this season, Bellamy? Well, it's interesting because it's like, does it? But then it's like, does it track with the last few episodes, Bellamy? Exactly, because <laughs> he's friggin' changed his damn personality yeah. again. Because at the beginning of the season, like, when he found out Clark died, he decided to honor her memory by saving everyone, by mm -hmm. shedding no blood. Mm -hmm. And that was like, oh, that makes sense for Bellamy. And like, you know, like, he he's a man of peace, you know? After those six years, 100%. Exactly, like season five, like, he's a man of peace. He wants everyone to live. That makes complete sense. And it was and six he, years. Yeah. So that made sense, right? Yeah. Instead of having, like, a weird trip and then changing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Instead of having a weird trip and changing, he put on a cardigan and changed. Yes. So I Changed guess his outfit. There you go. Change your outfit, change your attitude. Yeah. So I guess... I, I think how I feel about this is, Kobe, stop taking a bath in the middle of the podcast. Please stop. So I guess what I think about that is... Okay. Continuity, never heard of her. <laughs> I love how literally everyone else is stuck on the other side. Yeah. Like, ever, like literally stuck on the other side. Like, they're over there, they, they're like... They cannot cross. like, Gabriel, come back here. Come back here right now. Come back here. Hi, no. Ah! <laughs> come <laughs> like, back. We should have put a leash on him. What do you have? A knife! No! But I also can't run after you to come get it. Like, it's like, if this was a genuine comedy... He would run oh away, my God. and we would get like a wide shot of him running away, and everyone else on the other side being like, <laughs> "Shoot, <laughs> it's too bad." I would watch that show. Yeah, me too. Priya is getting the party ready. Delilah's parents are housing Echo, Miller, and Gaia, and Cookie Man is distracting Priya from finding them. Clark shows up and convinces Priya to go with her. Echo and Co attack. Clark knocks Priya out. I can't tell you how sad it is that Priya, who is basically Delilah to Cookie Man, is mean to to Cookie Man. Yep. That's her dad. Do you want to talk about how she's doing all of this? And where's Jordan? Literally, where's Jordan? I was I was thinking about that this whole time. I was like, how many episodes has it been since we've seen Jordan? Like, literally, I expected Jordan to be helping her party plan. Oh, fully. I like, genuinely did. Fully, like, drank the Kool-Aid of the Primes. Like, one of our heroes, even though, like, we have, like, Murphy and Amori, like, kind of over there, I wanted one of our heroes to fully just be like, 
Uh huh. And, like, and Jordan, Jordan is the perfect candidate. The yep. the whole thing, the weird thing with Delilah at the beginning of the season that would have factored into this. The fact that he like only had like two friends his entire life, and it was his parents would have factored into. And this. if they had mind drives, they'd still be alive. Yeah. Like, their bodies failed them. They could have kept living. Mm-hmm. Like, it it would have been so easy to justify Jordan flipping tables. Yeah. But something... I, I don't have proof of this, but something friggin' weird happened in the middle of this season and just sent everything off the rails. And the problem is that this happens every season. Mm. Like, the show makes it to about the seventh episode and then it kills Lincoln or it kills Lexa or, you know, some, or like the, the conclave happens and Luna turns evil. Like something odd happens. Yeah. And so it's like, why has Jordan been missing for half the season now? Mm-hmm. He was such a big player in the first half. And I think when we were at Unity Days with Shannon, um, they were like, two episodes away from the finale yeah. or something? They were, so I like, think it was 5, 5'10", 5'11". 5'10", 6'11". So Shannon was here at Unity Days being like, don't know when I'll be back. It's been a few episodes. Literally. You know? And he was talking about how, like, they thought that, like, he and Maddie would have, like, a yeah. storyline and then obviously they didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, because Jordan friggin' disappeared after, what, 608 and yeah. he never came back again. Yeah. Okay. What the hell? I love... Did they think we wouldn't notice? Probably. He's brand new. But it's like, it's that thing in season four where characters were off screen so they were taking a nap. Yeah. And it was like, well, that's a bunch of bull. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, is Jordan just constantly recuperating from a stab wound yeah sure i love how josie was like i don't want to plan the party because my party sucks he's like okay we'll get priya to do it and then we see priya planning the party (laughs) priya hates joe berry pie but it was delilah's favorite so do you think this is like cookie man being like i know what Riker told me but this i'm trying to get proof yeah i think so for sure Mm -hmm. and then priya says to cookie man and blythan blythan and cookie man Mm -hmm. You've done Delilah proud. And I literally said out loud when I watched this, stop it. Exactly. Stop that. Don't do that. Especially because they know. Like, if they hadn't known, they'd be like, oh, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What with the primes? Hell of her name. This is the best thing ever. Oh, you're the best. But now that they know, they're like, thanks for gaslighting <laughs> us our whole lives, you jerks. He's just, like, holding the pie. And she's just holding the cookies. And they're like, okay. We have mm. baked goods and bad attitudes. Yeah, I feel sad and bad. And so Josephine shows, Josephine shows up and is just like, ugh, I need your help. And she's like, what? And she's like, it's your son again. He's trying to be moral. And she's like, ugh, this guy always trying to be moral. Let's go fix it. And then they go... Riker's officially been mentioned more post-death than Kate. <laughs> Thanks. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So before this scene, why don't you tell me what Patreon is? Patreon is a service where you can donate monthly to your favorite creators. Wow. And you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cool. What do I get if I'm a patron? You get early access to our episodes and a postcard every year wow. to say thank you on our anniversary. When is our anniversary, Brittany? I think it's November 15th, I want to say. Very close. Is it November 16th? Okay, here's the thing. I didn't get it wrong because of like, oh, you're stupid. November 15th is burned into my brain because of the first Harry Potter movie. Okay. And then they both came out on the 15th and 16th, Mm -hmm. the first and the second one. So those two dates are always interchangeable to me. Okay. Anyway. Um, so yeah, it, donations start at like a dollar a month. At like a dollar? Or a Literally dollar. a dollar. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but it's literally a dollar. So I know that now. If you have a dollar a month, um, it would help us with all of our hosting fees and things like that. Wow. That's so nice. And what if I don't have enough money to donate? Oh my God, that's totally fine. This is free for a reason. Uh, word of mouth is 
best, like, just tell your friends. Yeah. You know? Thanks. Should I do, like, the stuff that happens before that, and then we'll do that after, or do you want to just do the whole thing? Just do the whole thing. Okay, here we go. Down in the reliquary, Abby, Maddie, Raven, and Jackson are hanging out, waiting. For some reason? For some reason. I don't know why they're down there. Raven's so sad that they're helping the Primes kill people. Abby apologizes to Raven. Raven apologizes to Abby. They are finally at peace with each other again. Sure. Do you want me to keep going? Keep going. Okay. Russell and co. enter with Daniel and Kaylee, aka Murphy and Amori. Who are you lying for? But- okay, The plot! But Russell reveals that he's going to use Abby's body for Simone. Raven and Jackson try to fight, but Abby is lost. Should we talk about everything else first? Sure. Okay. So I know that this is like the literal saddest thing in the entire world, but I also had a great joy in this scene, which is that I found out what the name of the last prime was. (laughs) His name is Caleb. (laughs) I'm happy for you. Thank you. I literally like when I I could not stop smiling. I was like, this is all I've asked for all season was to figure out what the final prime's name was and this new caleb that we're getting this episode is the eighth caleb the eighth caleb the eighth caleb's a great name for him i love it yeah yeah it is. it's good and i said this in the synopsis but like who is he lying for who knows what i it's very muddy um why does it matter at this point he russell could so easily tell the people that the bad sky crew people wiped yeah. the other two and blame them. There's no reason to keep up the facade with anyone. Yeah, literally. Like, none of the Lees are here to be mad at you, so who cares? It's stupid. Yeah. You know what? It was an excuse to put Murphy and Amori in fancy clothes. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that because Murphy and eyeliner is everything I didn't know I wanted, but I kind of did know I wanted that. I feel like... I knew. Yeah. The makeup artists were like, Richard, we've seen your Instagram. We know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone thinks... That Murphy and Amori are dead. Not like our heroes, like they know. But like everybody in Sanctum thinks that Murphy and Amori are dead. Probably. They're like, just I feel like all of the nulls are like, hey, we want to be the primes. Like really, really bad. Why are you letting these random people who just showed up be primes? I'm pissed. I think because they think of them as more disposable. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. But if, like, it seems like the nulls are like, yes, please. Yeah, the nulls are like, hey, this would be an honor on account of Gavin? Yeah, exactly. Remember Gavin? Yeah. I One thing that I did want to say later in the episode is that, like, at least Sierra is with Gavin now. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. And then, like, are Murphy and Amori Nightbloods? Maybe. Maybe? Can't tell. Okay, so you have Raven and Abby thoughts? I hate this scene. Okay. They spent all season in conflict with each other. Then Raven helped Kane commit suicide. Then the next episode, they were back to plot things. And now they're making amends with each other. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what was, what was the point? I don't know. What do you think of it? Um, yeah, it was kind of just like a, okay. Exactly. Thing. It was like, all right, well, if that's how you're gonna wrap it up, then I'm glad it's wrapped up because I didn't like it this yeah. whole time. Like, they, it feels like every part of Abby's arc was shoehorned in at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Just so that they could kill her. It was like, has something with Jackson, had something with Clark, Raven was next, so had something with Raven, and it's like, okay, well. Well, Kane's already dead, so might as well out the door. There it be, then. Yep. So, so there's that. Um, I was sad that the last thing Murphy got to say to Abby was like that. Yeah. Mm. But Murphy being upset about it, I was like, that's my boy. See, um, I was confused by that line. We'll talk about later. it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later, obviously, but I'll, I'll, yeah. I did like that she got to see, like, that Raven and Jack, not necessarily that Raven and Jackson were there, because obviously that's horrible, but, like, Raven and Jackson are two, other than Clark, who obviously they're couldn't safe. be there. Yeah. They're very important 
to Abby. So yeah. it was kind of nice that she got to have those moments with them and then like see them and stuff. The flashes of memories were kind of nice, but obviously you have bigger. They weren't even thoughts. in the script. What do you mean they weren't even in the script? They didn't even write those in the script. How do you know? Because they released the script to screen of Abby's death. Ew. Well, they did the same thing to Kane for Kane, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. So where did they come from? Someone the director? Must, someone must have added them later. Director? Maybe. Okay. Well, go off. I don't know what to say. Like, do you want to read out some of Sam's review? No, because I know I have my own thoughts about it. I'm just kind of like, this show just kind of broke me. So anyway, I think the thing that sucks the most is like, okay, one of the first things that made me so angry is what was the point of killing Kane and Abby three episodes apart? Like, have them die together heroically. Like, if they were gonna go, they should have gone together. Yeah, I was saying to you, like, if they were gonna do both of them, like, do, yeah, like, who's gonna be in Simone later? I don't care. Pick somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But, like, like have Abby be like, you know what? You're right. And, like, walk out into the thing with him and then have them go out, like, hugging or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just so odd to me. Like, they killed them three episodes apart. I feel like something must have happened, like, production-wise. You know what? No, I can't even blame that. I think the writers just did this. I think they just didn't. I think at the end of the day, they made it very clear that Kane and Abby were never their story priority, even though those were two of the biggest names of the show and they had huge roles in seasons one and two. And then slowly, like, I made a thread about this on Twitter, but like slowly they diminished, especially Abby's role to unlikable bitchy mom, who's a drug addict and abusive. And they just did her such a disservice. Like her whole life at added up to nothing like she died with nothing you know like the only comfort she had was that Clark wasn't dead because both the men that she loved had died she was partially responsible for both of their deaths like it was a waste it was a waste in the end her life was a waste and that's the message that the show sent because that's textually what happened and that is insane to me I feel like it's such a slap in the face because the writers are always like we love Paige Turco we love Abby and I'm like do you because you don't know anything about her you frequently forget what her character motivations are. You treat her like she constantly has to have the plot idiot ball in order to make Clark look like a hero. Abby was, Abby, and the end of the day, Abby was just a plot device that the writers moved around the board like a chess piece and she didn't mean anything to them. Like she didn't matter. So she died like she didn't matter. And I don't know what else to say about that. Like she was my favorite character and now she's gone and she didn't even die with dignity. And that makes me feel horrible because I don't want to be crying about this. Like, I feel so stupid. You Okay, literally, I know. I know this is old. I know me no, saying this gets old. No, it, I know that you feel stupid. And I know that I've said this before and that I cry all the time. But I went to, I literally, like, at school, we went through, like, conditioning to not feel the way that you feel crying you know so like I don't blame you for feeling like this for crying because I like I had to go through something to not feel that way so I don't blame you there's just like but so much extra wrapped up shame in it yeah like there's like I hate being vulnerable and I hate crying and I hate that I trusted a television show and I trusted some dude to tell a woman's story what the hell was I thinking like I feel like I brought my own pain on myself. No. Because I thought I was stupid enough to be, to like believe in something. That's no. Like the show always told us like Abby, Abby is hope. Abby is the integrity. Like that's how she started. Like she started, she was like, I'm going to make sure we deserve to, to survive. And the first time that she told Kane that like, Hey, like you're the one for me. She called it hope. Like she was supposed to be this like incredible, like kick-ass, smart woman 
who is terrifyingly competent and complicated and in the end like there was no hope like no one really loved her like raven spent all season beating on her clark doesn't like they haven't explored abby and clark's relationship in like two or three seasons like it they just the show was built on abby and clark's relationship and where has it been like can you tell me the last time that abby and clark shared a meaningful scene together 601 when they said goodbye at the airlock Mm. and that was it And before that, they'd been separated and they barely saw each other in season five. Like that wasn't an important relationship to the show anymore. Even though Jason Rothenberg always says the two relationships that are most important in the show are the Blakes and the Griffins. Where have those relationships been? They're abusive or they're neglected. There's no good relationships on the show. And then all Abby had was Kane and they killed him. And the only person who loved her was then Jackson. And they had them fight the whole season. Like they created all this unnecessary conflict around Abby to up their dramatic stakes when personally I think the more dramatic way for her to die would for her to be the most loved person she could be because then she would have died with dignity like she would have died loved and supported and important but she wasn't important like she was so unimportant that they decided to use her as a plot device and they wiped her brain and now her corpse is just walking around like that's one of the most messed up things you could do to a woman like clark was doing it all season and that was messed up and now but there's no chance of saving abby so she died for nothing and she died without hope or without honor without dignity none of the things that she stood for like is what she died with and i like for some dumbass reason i blame myself but like that's the relationship that the creators have made with their audience where They'll lull you into a full sense of security, especially on social media. And they'll be like, we love you. We cherish you. Like, we love our fans. Like, we love these actors. We're trying to tell the most authentic story, you know? Like, we really care about these relationships. And they tell you these things. And then textually, they basically tell you to f*** off. And they they just wipe everything out. And then they say, well, it's it's a tragic story. And I'm like, tragedies are Shakespearean. Mm. And Shakespeare knew what he was doing. You don't. You think that tragedy is just torture porn and then death. That's Game of Thrones. And look how Games of Game of Thrones ended. Everyone friggin' hated it. Because no one wants to watch bleakness and grim dark storytelling. If you don't have any hope, what's the point? And you killed the hope. You turned the hope into a drug addict. What 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 is an audience supposed to take away from Abby Griffin's story? There's no message. There's nothing. She and Kane's lives were wasted. The the whole thing is. Yeah, you may try, but you're going to fail and then you're going to die. And that's it. That's all you're going to get out of life. What's the point of that? There's no point. And so I'm like sitting here feeling like a freaking idiot forever thinking that like this show could do anything respectfully for any of these characters. Because let's not forget, this show has disrespected every character it's killed except for Monty and Harper. They killed Wells for shock value. They killed a black man for shock value. They killed Lincoln because Ricky Whittle wanted to leave the show. So they shot him in the head. Another black man for shock value. Lexa, they didn't even think about. They were like, hey, she's gay, let's shoot her whatever like the only people who got to die with dignity were monty and harper well finn finn was the only narrative death that made perfect sense to me that was a perfect death that's one of my favorite episodes of the show it is it's so good Mm -hmm. that's what's infuriating is you know that this show can write a good death Mm -hmm. and you know this show can tell a good story it just chooses not to it chooses to say if you're invested in a character that's your fault like we wrote this and we want you to be invested but if you get upset well It's just a TV show. Like, no, screw you. You're the one on social media telling me to be engaged, Mm -hmm. to like follow these actors, to go to conventions, to like tweet them, to like really like love all of these characters, to 
form emotional bonds with these characters and then you gleefully slice them apart and then you love our grief because it gives you clout you know you love the metrics you love the attention like okay fine here's here's the attention you ordered i i'm done with your crap i hope Paige Turco has a great job from now on i hope that she doesn't have to like play a character who people hate because the writers never bothered to give her meaningful emotional attachments beyond a dude that she was like in love with that they decided to kill. So I don't think anybody should ever feel <sighs> stupid for being invested in a story. Like stories are stories are humanity. They're, that, that's that's how we build our culture. They're for like escaping and they're for fun. You know, so nobody should, and especially you, you should, just because, you know, you're in front of me, you should never feel stupid about investing in a story or investing about investing in a character because that's like, obviously, I mean, that's like you said, that's human. That's but what happens when the author calls you stupid? What happens when the author engages you and then says, trigger warning? Like, what happens then? Like, that is nothing. Okay, sure. But that says nothing about you. That says everything about the person who did that. But then, like, at what point does that dynamic, like, why do I feel so responsible for this? Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, I feel like an idiot for having hope, I guess? Like, trusting a story? Like, I don't know what to tell you because I don't understand that logic. Because you shouldn't. You, you don't, you don't deserve to feel that way. So, it makes me sad seeing you right now like this because it has nothing... It has nothing to do with you. Like, not necessarily that it has nothing to do with you in the way that, like, yeah, no, the I, character no, has nothing to do with <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> because clearly it does. But, like, this, all of this garbage has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it wasn't, it's like, it's all them. It's not you. Yeah. So you don't need to feel responsible for anything. You don't need to feel shame about anything ever. <laughs> Except well, maybe for sometimes when you can't find your freaking keys and we have places to go. Well, maybe if, feel shame about that. If I would put them away, maybe I'd be able to find them. I've been trying to tell you. It's called having ADHD, okay? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, and I know that you're also worried about peop other people in the fandom listening to this and making fun of you. And I oh, know- it's happened. Like, I know that it's happened. I now have, like- proof that this has happened so, i know like crying makes me feel like an idiot because someone's gonna listen to this they don't matter but that's like it's so easy to say those things until it happens to you and then it's like you can get all the nice messages in the world but that one negative message that hits right at the core of who you are that's gonna mess you up of course and I know i mean the quote goes the people who matter don't mind the people who mind don't matter exactly and I mean, that's the truth, but it's hard to It's hard to put it practice into practice that, it, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, like, of course, like, all of your friends have sent you, like, the most nice messages of all time, but- Our listeners, like, everyone's just been so freaking amazing. Yeah. But there are those people, and I- And the things that they say, and this is clear, of course, and if they're listening, I hope they're listening, the things that they say have nothing to do with you, and it shows who they are- way more than it shows about you. And I hope that those people are listening and I hope that they know what they're doing and I hope that they take a look at how they feel about that and what they're doing to people and they realize that <laughs> they care. I know, and the fact that they don't care it makes them psychotic. freaking psychopaths, buddy. Like it literally <laughs> is not. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Come on, buddy. It doesn't make sense. Like literally, like who raised you? <laughs> 
you to to think your that, mom would be ashamed of you. Literally, like show yourself. I my just want to talk. If and my guess mom what? Knew. I don't want to talk. I want to call your mom and tell you what a garbage person. <laughs> tell her what a garbage person you are because it's not nice. It's well. called bullying. I gotta tell you, Brittany. I was I'm a thir- I'm a 29, 30 year old woman getting bullied by people on the internet. I'm like th- I am at the the lowest you can be. I have to tell you this. And I don't know if this will mean anything to any of those people. But I was not nice to my sister when I was younger. Oh I my was, god, I wasn't nice to my sister either. I like, live that guilt every day. Like, I look back on those times and I think about what a horrible person I was to and her. And I wasted those years because I wasn't nice to her. Because I thought that you weren't supposed to be nice to your younger sister. I was so mean. I would I would call my sister names. Yeah. And my friends would make fun of her because I told them to. And, and I, I would do, like, yeah, I would do the thing where, like, if she had a joke or she thought something was funny, I would, like, specifically not laugh. Like, because, I was like, horrible. But, like, I think this is relevant because media teaches us behaviors, right? And all media is, like, siblings don't get along. Like, you're not supposed to get along with your siblings. You're supposed to bully your siblings. Like, you're supposed to be like, oh, those rotten kids while, like, they beat up on each other, you know? Yeah. Well, like, and I then thought you, that's how I was supposed to treat my sister. I say, well, one day you'll be friends with your sister. You'll be friends with your sister. Like, my mom, when she's in her, like, 40s, she's like, well, I'm friends with my sisters. I'm like, well, until then, I guess I'll be a jerk. It, that's you know? exactly what I thought. But, like, what really turned it around for me is, like, hearing my grandpa, who isn't here anymore... He told me that I was being a bully. Yeah. And I never thought of it like that. Yeah. So I don't know if that could, if that will turn it around for anybody. It probably won't because you people are monsters. But just so you know, what you're doing is bullying. And bullying is for children. Bullying isn't even for children. They shouldn't be doing it either. If bullying anything, is bullying for nobody. is for the president of the United States. <laughs> So if I can tell you anything, these people who are listening to everybody cry about how sad they are about their favorite character, who's your favorite character? I probably like them, but I hope they die next. And I hope we can laugh at you (laughs) about them. Because you're so mean. But I hope that you reconsider and you think about what you're doing as bullying. Bullying is for babies. You're a baby. Stop being a baby. Grow up. You suck. (laughs) Ready to move on? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, if anyone needs an example of why the 100 fan was one of the worst places in the entire world, this would be it. I do want to say, though, um, like, thank you to everyone who's, like, reached out. And if you lost Abby and Kane and, like, they were your favorites, I'm so sorry. It sucks. I'm sorry that they didn't die like heroes. I'm sorry that some dude is going to try and justify it as being a tragedy. It's not. It's bad writing. I, I want you to know that there there's good writing out there. Shows like Lost. Shows like Battlestar Galactica, they will show you tragedy, but they will also show you that tragedy can be beautiful. This is not beautiful tragedy. This is one, I guess, writer's room's obsession with trying to prove that they can be the darkest CW show. They're trying to say, hey, we know we're on the CW, but we're edgy too. Well, on Riverdale, there's a character named War Baby, so try again. Like, literally, Riverdale knows what it is, and that's why I respect Riverdale more. Yeah. Riverdale will be like, you know what? We have queer characters that we don't kill and we have diversity and sometimes we suck, but you know what? We will, we will try. And this show does not try and I don't respect it. It was just like, it was important to me that this piece of media that brought me so much in terms of like my personal life, like you and I would not be sitting in this apartment together. We would never even know each other if it wasn't for this show. This show has brought people beautiful things and I just wanted it to be the beautiful thing that I knew that it could be because it was at one time. And 
it'll never be that again. And it'll, it'll never be what you want it to be. And if there's people thinking, you know, it sucks that it happened to like the cabbie fan. I'm like, it sucks that you guys like lost that, but I think I'll be okay. You're not going to be okay. And I'm not saying that to fear, fear monger. I'm saying you need to manage your expectations because at the end of the day, this show is more obsessed with being dark than it is with respecting any of its characters. So the last person standing is going to be Clark. Mm. It, the show does not care who Clark sleeps with. The show does not care about any of that. The show cares. Clark is the hero and that's it. So if you're a Clark fan, you're probably fine, but she's going to suffer along the way. I mean, her mom just died. So they're going to definitely capitalize on that pain for as long as they can. I promise you that. How many people can we get to cry this season? Not even audience members, characters. Exactly. I No, but I truly think that's like part of their motivation is how do we really just break these characters as people? And they forget to do the part where you're supposed to rebuild. Yeah. Or they do the rebuilding, but they do it off screen and they do a time jump of six years. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then you don't get to see it. Yeah. Like, just so that they can re-break them over and over and over again. And that obsession with with torturing people and torturing characters and torturing the audience, that's super messed up. That is, that is something that I would love a psychologist to look at at the same way that I want, like, people are analyzing what the hell happened on Game of Thrones. Because that obsession with grim darkness is pathological. And it's messed up. And so... I'm just saying if you're going to keep watching this show and you think it'll happen to them, but it won't happen to me, it'll happen to you. Because I thought it won't happen to me. These writers love Cabbie. They they talk about us all the time. They talk about how great a fandom we are. They talk about how, how much they love the actors. No. At the end of the day, they were more obsessed with what they could, how far they could push a story. What boundaries could they break? Not realizing that they weren't breaking boundaries. They were just repeating the same crap they've been doing for six years. So I'm not saying this to be a dick. I'm saying, please, I want to protect you in the same way that I was trying to protect everyone by really working hard to, to be a good critic and to be a good fan and to never send people hate because I wanted to always give constructive criticism. I wanted to always try and help. Helping was my like... Trying, trying to help is like, I think the core of who I am as a person is I just always want to try. And if you think that trying will get you anywhere with these people, I'm here to tell you it won't. It will actually come back and slap you in the face and it'll hurt more than if you hadn't tried at all. Which is kind of the moral of the story with the show too, is you try and you fail and you die. And that's where I'm at now is I tried and I failed and now the show is like dead to me. Like, I don't care anymore. I don't care. All I feel is like pain and I'm also dead inside. So I'm sorry that I failed. I'm sorry that I keep apologizing. Um, I'm sorry that I cried so much though. I am a little sorry about that. All I can do is just try to, I don't know, save as many people as possible from feeling the way that this feels. So it's bigger than a TV character dying because it is like a symbol of like, here's five years of your life that we're going to tell you you wasted. That's pretty brutal. But I guess without it, we wouldn't have all of this around us. So there's definitely good things in there. But yeah. To be clear, my favorite character didn't even die. I started crying because you were crying. And then I cried about my own stuff that I was even just bringing up. (laughs) So you're you are such a cry ho. You will cry at anything. Tell the story. Oh my god. We were speaking of things that we would never have without this show. We went to lunch on 
like Davy Street and we were surrounded by this amazing queer culture because Davy is like the basically like the, the gayborhood. It's the gay street in Vancouver and we've moved to the gayborhood. And we were with our friend Emily, who we wouldn't have without the show. And, you know, I wouldn't have my girlfriend without the show, but we were sitting at lunch at this amazing like place watching like this sort of pop-up market and there was a musician there and the musician, we were just chatting and the musician started playing Wonderwall and sure enough, there goes Robin. And she just starts like crying immediately. And it wasn't like crying, like performative crying. It was like Emily and I were carrying on having a conversation and Robin was like silently sitting there, like watching him, like tears <laughs> down the side of her face. And I was like, I looked over and I'm like, no, yeah, that makes sense. She is a hoe for that song. And she will cry every time she sees it. So yeah, she cried uh, listening to someone play Wonderwall. And then she applauded very loudly when it ended. And then she went and tipped him. Yeah. Yep. He was gonna leave, and I was like, no! Get back here, I wanna give you money! Thank you for making me feel a thing! <laughs> well, like, and like, <laughs> when people are like, do I can I take any requests? If you say Wonderwall, everyone thinks you're kidding. But I'm never kidding. It's my, <laughs> it's my favorite song. I love Wonderwall. And I know even Oasis hates Wonderwall. <laughs> but God, I love Wonderwall. And so if somebody- <laughs> If somebody organically plays Wonderwall, I'm like, I was meant to be here in this moment because everyone else hates Wonderwall. <laughs> Wonderwall's a meme. It's a great song. Anyway, here's Wonderwall is a huge meme. I know it is. Maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. And after all, you're my Wonderwall. Like, what does that even mean? I don't know. That doesn't mean anything. One, what is what is a Wonderwall? Buddy, the lyrics don't make sense. No, they don't. Today is going to be the day. We're gonna throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you what gotta do. What you gotta do. Yeah. And there's what you're not to do. Yeah. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. That part makes sense. That's the part that makes yeah. sense. And all the roads we have to walk are winding. Sure. And all the lights that lead us there are blinding. <laughs> I would like to say to you, but I don't know how. So maybe <laughs> you're gonna be the one that saves me. Because after all, you're my Wonderwall. That's the whole That's the whole chorus. Do you think the Wonderwall is like, I mean, I know it's a metaphor, but I don't know what I'm, it's a metaphor for. Yeah. Because I'm like, is the Wonderwall something that aids you on your winding journey through the lights? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what I it means. I can dedicate an entire podcast to try to figure out what the brick Wonderwall, Wonderwall means. <laughs> I don't know, but God, I love it. Today on The Aficionados, a special it's, edition where we try to figure out the song Wonderwall. It's so nostalgic. Like when you start hearing the... Oh yeah. It, it hits like some oh. like animal part of your brain and you're like, today. oh. Yeah. That like if you... Today is gonna be the day to do the... It takes you right back to, you. to the early 2000s like immediately. I don't know why. Brittany. I think because Wonderwall has the same energy as chasing cars. I'm right and I should say it. See, um... The reason why I love Wonderwall so much is not because it's on Grey's Anatomy. It's because it's on Lost. It's because it was on Lost, but go off. Um, shall we continue the pod? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Gabriel makes it to the main part of Sanctum. He pretty much immediately gets caught, but not before he can drop the red sun toxin into the water. He gets marched up to see Russell, who he begs to stop the namings, but he's too late. It's already done. They have a chat about morals, because who doesn't this episode? I feel like Russell's like, I just keep having a chat about morals. <laughs> Gabriel wanted to die after his last body. That can be arranged. The toxin alarm goes off and Gabriel steals the gun off the guards. Russell is not worried. So, uh, you, I checked out after this. So that's like, okay. Yeah. Did, you, did you hear this song that was playing? No. It was like, 
you know how um in like what was it like season three i think where they like had that lady like sing a song that was like in trigetta slang and stuff yeah during yeah. clark's naming yeah. and becoming Juanita. yeah or whatever right yeah. Yeah. That was when she wore that beautiful outfit yes. and she kneeled before Lexa. Yes. It's like kind of like that where it was like they're singing about the primes. Like it yeah, says yeah. like hallowed be thy name and blah 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 blah. And the Netflix subtitles told me that they were singing the name Priya and then it said hallowed be her name. And I was like, do each of the primes get a verse? Probably. Or what? Like when I listened to it, like you they definitely said hallowed be her name. Mm-hmm. But I was like, kind of sounds like Priya, but also kind of sounds like, yeah, you know? So it's oh my like, God. I don't it's know. It's probably Priya. But very interesting. I love that. It's kind of cool. Yeah, no, like, that's definitely cool. Very interesting. I'm like dead inside, but I think that's cool. Who do you think wrote fo- False Gods on the thing? I like to think it was Cookie Man. <laughs> I was literally about to say, like, we haven't met anyone else in Sanctum, so Cookie Man. I mean, we know that Riker told more than just Blythen and Cookie Man, so could be somebody else, but I like to think it I was Cookie Man. I can't wait for Man. the random red shirt to become the face of the Rebellion next episode, only yeah. to be immediately murdered. Yeah. <laughs> um, I promise I won't fall in love with them before they die. Yeah. Maybe. I wish I had promised that to myself five years ago. She's not, a, it wasn't a red shirt. Doesn't count. At the end of the day, she kind of was. No, a red shirt is somebody who gets killed off immediately. I know what a red shirt is. I watch Star Trek. No, I know. I'm just The trying. red shirt is the rando who goes down with the main crew and then they're like, oh, you're the obvious one who's gonna die. Um, I loved seeing Russell and Gabriel in this scene. Like, it's the confrontation you were waiting for. They truly have known each other for centuries. And those two actors, like, is centuries thousand? Maybe I made a mistake. Decade. Is decade? Yeah, okay, so decades. Wait, is that tens? Is centuries hundreds? Centuries is a thousand. I don't, what's hundreds? Mm. A century is a hundred years, so centuries. Oh, okay. Okay. Remember me for centuries. So they truly have known each other for centuries, and they haven't seen each other for 70 years, but like, they immediately, like, he's like, sup. And he's like, sup. sup. You know, and it's like, hey, you look different. So do you. But we all know what's up. These two were like... They're Adam and Eve. Literally. Yep. Not even Adam and Steve. They are Adam and Eve, you know? Because they're the ones who did it. Like, they are the ones that made this happen. Mm -hmm. They were the only two that were left alive after that first massacre. Yep. Although, I think someone on Twitter, like, brought up the fact... And I don't remember who it was, so I'm so sorry. But they were like, in what womb... (laughs) <laughs> did they grow these embryos the embryo plotline is makes no sense and it's yeah. stupid so, they were like they were like well we brought embryos and i'm like where like for who did y'all just have women enslaved to grow your children like did anyone think this plotline through i don't know and first of all battlestar galactica did that first so eat it <laughs> but it's, and they did it more respectfully thank you okay but yeah it's so interesting seeing them like this like they're the two sides yeah. They are the Jacob and MIB. Oh, they if are. If I can bring up Lost again. Because neither of them are perfect. Like, Jacob, I'm just bringing up these characters from Lost. If you haven't seen Lost, Sorry. get with it. You know, at this point, just get with it. Um, Jacob is supposed to be, like, the angel, and MIB, which stands for Man in Black, is supposed to be the devil, right? I think I said devil. I meant devil, but... But Jacob sucks. But when you really look at it, Jacob is not perfect. MIB is not the most horrible person in the entire MIB world. MIB literally saw a broken part of the system and wished to be free of it. That's mm-hmm. Gabriel. And Jacob was the one who was like, I'm supposed to be... I'm going to perpetuate it. Holier, I'm a god. Holier than thou. Yeah. 
I'm a god. I'm not. I'm. I'm the one who gets to choose. Oh my god, this season really is just lost, isn't it? Yeah. So is the smoke monster the red sun talks? Yeah, it yeah. is. So what? The smoke monster is the anomaly. You literally see visions of people in it. Oh my god, have an original idea. <laughs> But, like, Jacob is so controlling and he's kind of, like, the worst. He's, like, oh, kind he's of a jerk. Worst. Like, it's like he's on this huge pedestal. Like, from season three when we first hear his name, he's on this huge pedestal. And you're like, this is, like, the god of the island. And he just goes down step by step, notch by notch until season six. And you're like, this guy's kind of not great. It's called um, good storytelling. And both of them ha- are so morally gray. It's like... Are they on opposite sides? Yes. But like, are they the same? But are they the same? You know, and that's what Russell and Gabriel are. And I mean, like, literally, they both came from like the same womb, right? Like they they come from the same blood. And like, that's literally these two is like, they both came from the night blood. Like they created these things. I still need to know how Becca plays into this. Mm -hmm. I know I'm never going to get that answer because they started out way too ambitious at the beginning of the season and Mm -hmm. then kind of forgot to finish it, which is every season. But I still want to know if Becca knew either of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know she like knew Gabe or well, no, no, she didn't. She met Shaw. Yeah, she it. met Sh- Remember Shaw? No. Remember Raven didn't get to grieve the dude that she- that died because the show was like, grief isn't interesting. And I'm like, um, okay. Yeah. He's like, so you killed a bunch more people, huh? And Russell was like, the hosts were honored to be one of the one with the primes. Most of them. And I was like, Show your cards more flippantly, buddy. That's supposed to be a secret, buckaroo. What are you doing? Really stupid. And Russell says that faith is more powerful than the truth. That's just a commentary on our current society. Yeah. Um. Okay. I don't feel great about that. But Octavia actually used the word faith earlier. So, like, how can we? Like, can we? No. No. You can't connect them. I. I. I don't think you can think that deeply about it. Okay. In this instance. It's just that they're, it's like a very clear word choice in the exact same episode too. Well, like if they're trying to, like, if you want to, like, I think this is digging, this is giving them too much credit, but if you could set it up for like Gabriel and Octavia being the symbols of like the new world. But again, I thought that was going to be Lincoln and Octavia. Like they were going to bridge the gap between the two cultures. And Mm -hmm. so now you have Gabriel and Octavia sort of representing that same thing. Mm -hmm. But of course they're not going to capitalize on it because that would make too much sense. Right. But if Octavia has like drunk the Gabriel Kool-Aid. No, I don't know where I was going with that. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to connect two things that weren't connected. Okay. So the adjustment protocol is for non-believers. The red sun makes them kill each other, which is something we learned last episode, I think. Mm-hmm. And Russell is calling Gabriel a hypocrite because he's like Gabriel the fifth or the sixth at this point. I mean, Gabriel didn't have much of a say on that happening to him. Yeah, though, that's so. true. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, I mean, say that. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing that drives me nuts about this show is like, someone's like, hey, I have a key piece of information that you should know, but I'm not going to say it because it'll be more dramatically interesting if I don't. And I'm like, I- well, I mean, Gabriel has been saying like, a lot like this wasn't my choice like especially like to Layla last episode but Russell was the person to tell did he not I don't remember I don't remember either okay Clark and co wake up Priya and tell her that if she doesn't take the shield down for them they'll destroy Riker's chip she agrees yeah so let's talk about Priya and Riker okay I love thinking about Priya and Riker we don't get that much about them but like the stuff that you can like the subtext you can put on them is really interesting so like we see like obviously Priya cares a lot about Riker she's his son you know 
even though when they were interacting, when they were together in the actual thing, like in the actual show, there wasn't really much there. It was kind of like they were just standing beside each other. When she got, there was no emotional connection. When she, when she came back, he basically was like, hi mom. And like, just like hugged her or whatever. But like, as soon as they're like, Riker's dead again. And they're like, do you want us to kill the chip? She immediately was like, no, I'll do anything. And when Bellamy finally hands her the chip later, she like holds it like near her and stuff. Again, I think this is evidence that there's no consistency from writer to writer. But like Priya, and I don't know what happened to Riker's dad, but Priya and Riker came alone. Yeah, they're all each other has. So like Priya is, I mean, at some point has become a single mother. She decides to make a better, oh, this is lost again. This is Roger and Ben. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, she decides to come to this new place where she can get this better job. This is lost. Where, you know, things will hopefully be better for her son because she's not having any luck in the real world. I'm assuming. On Earth. Yeah, or whatever. And so they get here and they get immediately murdered or whatever. But of course, especially after like that happens, you want to be with your son whenever you can, right? And she would never... So anyway, I just... I think that Priya and Riker are really interesting from like a standpoint when you think about like they came together and everybody else, except for Gabriel for some reason, came like with a family unit. Like we had three Lightborns, four Lees, three Masons... And then Gabriel, and then Riker and Priya. Yeah. You know, like, I think it's, I don't want to move past the fact that, like, everybody else came in families and Riker and Priya were just a twosome. Still a family. Of course it's yeah. still a family, yeah, but, like, I don't know, it's just. They all, they were all each other had in the yeah. show, like, didn't really show us that, which kind of yeah. sucks mm-hmm. because there's nothing I find in the world more interesting, because my mom is one, than, like, a single mom who's, yeah. like, like, that's her kid. Mm-hmm. And she just. I wish we had seen more of that. Because other than the Lightborns, it seems like even over the Lees, the the Desai family was like like the secondary, not even, not necessarily the secondary like in authority, but like the secondary in like narrative wise, yeah. like storytelling. Like they seem to be like the most important. So I thought that was really I mean, think kind about of a missed the time opportunity. that didn't have to be wasted on the friggin' Shade Head up plot line. Mm-hmm. Or Jordan, like, or Jordan and friggin' Delilah. Mm-hmm. Like, like Priya's like, listen, I'm just a mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a lady. Please leave me alone. Russell challenges Gabriel to shoot him. Gabriel chickens out. Russell runs onto the stage and calms the people of Sanctum. He tells them everything is chill and also bonus, finally gonna kill Gabriel. Yahoo. Everyone's like, okay. Like, how are I, all of these people being like, yeah, you should be in charge? I feel like he expected to go out there and be like, I caught Gabriel. And everyone to go, yeah, finally. But he's like, I caught Gabriel. And everyone was like, what? Everyone was like, he's still alive? We just assumed he died because yeah, he thought- disappeared a long ass time ago. Yeah. Okay. So he brings up the fact that they get evacuated to Riker's Keep when they go. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, can we go there? <laughs> it doesn't seem like we'll ever go there, but it's We just- won't. Okay. His plan was to let Gabriel kill him and then go get Simone. She'll know what to do. Okay. Which is... Like, that would have been, like, an, we already knew it was going to happen, but, like, that would have been a crazy reveal, too. Is if he was like, go get Simone. Russell gets killed. They're like, go get Simone. And it's like, hey, it's me, Simone. Yeah. That would have been nuts. Oh, and then the phrase, you never had the stomach to be a god. That's a great, that that's a, a great, great line. line. I, I, I know a good line when I hear one, and mm-hmm. I will give credit. That is a good one. Yeah. That's a really good line. Murphy and Amoy are all dressed up, holding hands. They meet the Masons, who are the null guards from before. Gabriel tells them to stop holding hands because they're siblings and probably aren't that close. The shield goes down and the cogs all run into Sanctum. So, of course, 
I hold my sister's hand. Yeah, but it's different when you're brother and sister. You know, like Bellamy's always just like, hold my hand. And Octavia's like, no. Like, especially in season one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Murphy's makeup looks, is like supposed to look like a Maury's, which I think is really I cute. love that that, I was like, dude, I hope that's like a permanent tattoo. You should have that all the time. <laughs> I did want to say that, you guys, Jade is finally dead. <laughs> Y'all. We thought Jade died like four times this season and she never did. And I just wanted to say this time, Jade be dead. And we like didn't really even see it. Like Jade kept escaping death and we'd be like, she's dead, right? And she'd be like, no. Like Jade kept dying, quote unquote, off screen. And then this time she actually died off screen. And now it's like kind of like we have a body. Yeah. Technically. Technically, it's just still walking. So she's Jasmine. Yeah. Which like, hi, I would like to learn more about you. Sierra is Miranda. Mm-hmm. So she's with Gavin again. And the other guy who we don't actually, like, I wish it had been Cassius because we had been given Cassius before, mm-hmm. you know, and then yeah. we would have had like a name for each of the guards. Yeah. But we just got this random dude who is Caleb, my new fave, new because friend. he has a name. Yeah. I am literally so overjoyed that I got that final name. I really thought it was going to just be like really sad at the end of the season. I'm kind of sad that they they weren't like saving it for a big thing. Yeah. It was really, oh, we forgot to name him. We should name him. Which I said was going to happen. But again, I'm Boo Boo the Fool. I believed it would be bigger. And then my other note was just Danny and Kaylee probably actively don't like each other. Which is so sad. Yeah. But like after you've, I mean, that's the difference. Like we were talking before. It's like when, like they died when they were children. So they probably like either are like, you're my only friend. Or like, screw you. Screw you. I hate you. Yeah. Um, And like when you get older, you get, you're more friends. But like probably not holding hands friends. Plus all their friends die. Yeah. That would mess you up. Bellamy reunites with Echo. Clark tells them that their distraction didn't work. They don't know what to do now. Echo comes up with a plan. Okay. Um, Echo should be Hedda. Yeah. I know. Who said that? Katie. Yes. Katie said that. And she's right. Echo should be Hedda. Katie's wife said that. Katie's wife said that. You got it wrong. I figured it out. She remember you didn't, she, <laughs> you, you, did, you didn't correct me. So don't say I was wrong. I just wanted to make a joke. Okay. Okay. It failed though. The one thing, <laughs> the one thing that I did want to say about this very, very tiny scene was Clark being like, what took you so long? It's a long walk, Clark. Also, Bellamy remembered he had a girlfriend. They click, they came as fast as they could. I'm glad that the show didn't forget that Becco is still together. They kind of forgot for a while. No, I know. But like, they're like, we have more important things to do. They're like, yeah. So see you later. We're still together, right? Yeah. Okay, great. We know that there's more important things to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to see you. And then they go and they come back and they're like, still together? You still together? Good. Yeah. And then and then we're good. You know, yeah. it's like when you're friends with somebody and then you don't see them for like a year and you come back and you're like, still friends? Yeah. And then you live. Li- yeah, but you're not like sleeping with that friend. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, like, I think that's um, a mark of, like, a healthy relationship. You're right. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. They don't have to be obsessed with each other. It would have been nice if Bellamy had, like, mentioned missing Echo at some point. Yeah. You know? Well, like, when when Octavia was like, I know that you're worried about Echo or whatever, but... That's true. Okay, you know what? That's true. That's fair. I'll give it to you. Bellamy walks into Sanctum with Priya Prime. He reveals the truth that their people are not one with the Primes. They just did. Yeah. Priya confirms this. Russell throws a red sun bomb into the fray. The adjustment protocol. Our heroes take the antitoxin, which saves them for only two hours. Delilah's parents kill Priya. Jackson, Raven, and Maddie are still prisoners. Clark promises to save them. This is a big scene. A lot of things happen. Yeah. A lot of small things happen. Yeah. So Priya gets Riker's chip back after all of that, at least. Like, at least they weren't, she, they were like, 
if you help us, we will give you Riker's chip. And she was like, okay. And then she helped and they were like, meh, sucks to No, they had integrity, yeah. They gave it to her, which was really nice, I thought. Um, So the... Russell says to one of the guards that they that the adjusters get the processing room and to use it all. What does that mean? Are they talking about like using all of the toxin? Like we need all of the non-believers to be dead? Like or maybe like I just don't know because they know that all the guards are believers, so they can trust the guards. I guess. Yeah. Okay. This it was so sad. Delilah's parents choosing to kill Priya. That that's foreshadowing. I want you to know that. Tell me more. That oh, like someone's family member. Killing the body of... Yeah, Clark's going to do that to Abby next week. Okay. That's foreshadowing. Yeah. But, like, how heartbreaking is that to, like, have to watch their daughter die? Well, yeah, hand? Monty had to do that to Hannah, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is something the show's done before, yeah. Patricide, matricide. It's, like, part of the torture thing you were talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since when does Miller call Jackson Jax? I feel like that sounds vaguely familiar. I don't remember him ever doing that before. It's cute, though. It's cute, but... We never get to see their relationship. It's I frustrating. Know. I know. When they gave us Max and we were like, ah! And then it was like, uh. oh. JK, <laughs> you don't get to see it. And then they accidentally became war criminals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But whatever. At least Miller did have that moment with Gaia. Yes, yeah. definitely. And this moment with Octavia that I'm about to talk yes. about. Which was awesome. Because even though we didn't see Miller very much, he did have a tiny little arc this season, which was so, so cool. And it... And it Wrapped up really, really well by him yelling at Octavia, I do not take orders from you anymore. These small moments, I, I as I was saying, when the characters are secondary or tertiary, the hundred knows how to develop them. Mm-hmm. It's just when they're main and they need to find more ways to torture them that they screw it up. Yeah. But I mean, I got to say like Miller's little arc this season it was, was awesome. It was great. It like, was awesome. Credit where credit was due. It was a good arc. Yeah. It, it just, great. I wish it had been bigger. Mm-hmm. But if it had been bigger, they might have screwed it up. Yeah. And I did also want to point out that like Echo is great this scene because like if there was a bloodbath, she would win. Oh, fully. But she like doesn't want one. And so she strategically like leaves. Yep. I, I think if you put Echo in a room with anyone, which she proved, even Clark, mm-hmm. she will win. Yeah. Like, she is a bad <laughs> and you can't kill her. Mm-hmm. Clark gets to the Great Hall. Basically, everyone is there. Turns out Russell really went through with resurrecting Simone using Abby. Clark cries, slapping Gabriel. Simone reveals that they are all going to space to hide. They have no pilot, but Simone threatens Maddie so that Raven will agree to help them, and it works. Murphy and Amori choose to stay behind. Clark is proud of him whatever one thing that i thought was really cool about this though is that when she like says mom it it means the same thing yeah so like that's clark saying it Mm -hmm. but like nobody suspects anything because it's josie's mom too. and Paige totally kills this Uh uh-huh like just the deadness Mm -hmm. in her eyes like it it is simone Mm -hmm. like that cold determination for sure simone all over tatiana had that yeah this season for sure yeah yeah. Like it was it was crazy well done. Like, especially even the makeup department, even um darkening that inside crease mm. to make like sort of Paige's brows go inward so there's like, a that. little bit more menacing yeah. to it. Like everything she does, you can't quite see her eyes, you know? Yeah. It was that was very well done and like I mean, shout out to Paige, like always. She's mm-hmm. she just does an amazing job with everything that she's given. I know that like all the primes are getting are gonna die next episode like obviously but like god i wish we had had more information about them because one thing that's really interesting about simone is that 
um, when you look at like her in that flashback in I think 602 and like the picture that they have of mm-hmm. her, she looks so nice and she's so like nice, nurturing. She's a nice mom. And she's like so kind and yeah. everything. And I'm like, yo, what happened? Yeah. And I will never know. No, because they didn't care enough to develop this. Unless they bring it up next episode because like it's Abby or whatever. Like they it could they could, Maybe. but I doubt that they will. Um, I'm just, like, so interested in Simone and what her deal was. Yeah. I, I was really interested in Simone. I became more interested in Simone throughout the season, and mm-hmm. then, of course, she died, and I was like, damn, that was a waste. Mm-hmm. And, of course, so much of this season is, damn, that was a waste. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many cool ideas, and I think that's why so much of this sucks so much, because mm-hmm. there's so many cool cool ideas in the air, and they're juggling too many, yeah. and they're all falling. Mm-hmm. And this is season three all over again. Yeah. Like, the bones of in science fiction are there. Yeah. They just keep concentrating on the wrong stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simone thinks that she's crying about Gabriel. So like it was smart of Clark to be like, I'm slapping Gabriel now. I'm sad about Gabriel yeah. when she's like clearly it crying really about Abby. Yeah. 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 Also, Clark looks dope in that outfit. Oh, fully. Also, oh my God, Simone's outfit. Mm. Um, apparently Paige Turco picked that dress out. And I was like, oh, okay, so that was meant to be Abby's wedding dress. And um, what Kane and Abby said each- to each other in the airlock was meant to be their wedding vows. Cool. That's just what I'm going to think from now on. Thank you. Um, so they have no pilot. They'll use Raven or she'll kill Maddie, which of course is supposed to be like, so y'all, just so you know, like, it's not Abby, okay? It's Simone, very clearly, because Abby would never do this, okay? Okay. But okay. I mean, who knows with how they wrote Abby and Raven. I mean, the thing with Raven. Mm-hmm. So Miranda knows the Lees are dead. She specifically says that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Maddie is awake. So like, is Shadehead gonna kill her or what? <sighs> the Maddie storyline is a mess. There's no... Name one good part. The police are here to tell us to come and arrest whoever wrote the Shade Hedda storyline. Literally. Name one good thing about the Shade Hedda storyline. The sirens are getting louder because they can sense the bullshit is approaching. (laughs) Um... Name one good thing about the Shade Hedda storyline. Um, I will think of something. Pull it out of your ass, Robin. Hold up. (laughs) (laughs) This is taking too long. Wait. I know we're going to trim it in post, but I need y'all to know this is probably going to take her a full minute. And that's so long. I feel like I've just like blanked out a lot of the Shade had a storyline, to be honest. So maybe I'm forgetting something. Ooh. Goose egg? Um. Oh, I got it for you. It's neat that we got to see that sometimes the commanders sit around and play chess together <laughs> inside their heads. That's it. That's the nicest thing I can say about it. See, well, I was going to say, like, it's cool that, like, we get to see Maddie talking to the commanders, but we only got the garbage one. The fact that they're just like, yeah, Lex is in there, but she's just not around right now. Shut up. Yeah. (laughs) Russell saying to Gabriel, Sanctum is yours, parallels Sanctum is mine, which I think is really cool. So I liked that. So Murphy says to Clark, she was just trying to help and you killed her. Your thoughts? Abby was just trying to help and they killed her. What do you think it is? I thought it was about Clark. That's possible too. Like when, um, I hadn't seen the episode when Sam had like tweeted that like gif and then like the quote or something. And I was like trying to figure out who it was about. And I was like, oh, must be about Clark because he's saying it to Clark. But that doesn't make sense because Murphy was kind of part of Clark dying. So that would make no sense for him to say. But Clark wasn't even there when, Ab- like Murphy was there right before they But he holds killed Josie Abby responsible and Abby and things. she wasn't there. But he, like, it's the family. They hold, he would just assume Josie was part of it. Yeah. The line makes no sense on account of Murphy and Abby barely had a relationship because they kept ruining that relationship. And then they were like, well, let's have, like, Murphy be sad about Abby. And I'm like, what? What? So 
So if y'all know what this line meant beyond like what I'm guessing is the obvious thing, which is Murphy suddenly thought Abby was helping people when I guess like he volunteered her to make Nightblood. So yeah, I guess she was. I want this line to make sense so bad. It makes sense if it, you kind of are just, if you look at the surface of it. But if you look deeper, yeah, but much like don't. most of this season, is a whole mess. I like what happens after it. Like, after it is soft and amazing. Yeah. I think that's what that's one of the reasons why I ended up thinking it was about Clark is because then Clark said, like, afterwards, like, I'm proud of you. And then it turned out that, like, he was saying, like, you killed Clark, I hate you. Oh my god, you're Clark. But that you would know? make no sense after his entire arc this season. I don't know. I think she was just trying to help and you killed her was about Abby. Okay. Because Abby's dead. Yeah, but what was she even trying to help with? Making nightbloods to save people. If she made the nightblood, they wouldn't kill everyone. Yeah, I don't know if the word help is good for that thing. It's you know not! I mean? I'm trying to make sense of a bad line. Oh. Richard, you did a great job, but... He did. Eh, not- that was the dark, gothic man that he was always supposed to be. Yeah. He and Amori is just, like, such a good couple, so... I need a gif. I mean, one of them is going to die for sure. I need a gif of Louisa, like, once Clark is like, I'm proud of you, Murphy. I need a gif of Louisa going, oh. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, but, like, then Murphy is like, now he knows that it's Clark. Like, a, a single tear. And I'm like, so good. Uh, like, that's my boy. Um, and the guy is like, I'll be helpful. Or no, the guy is like, I'm not here. And they're like, hey, who's that? <laughs> and Josephine's what? like, that was yeah. stupid. Um, Josephine's like, yeah, keep her because we're going to need her for Indra up there, basically. That That's not what she's saying. Stupid. That's what the narrative saying. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was actually writing my summary for this last scene, I wrote... The door, uh, okay, so they get up to space. Indra, Nyla, and everyone else is waiting for them. Guns trained on the door. The door opens to Russell, Simone, and Josie holding guns to the head of Raven, Gaia, and Maddie. Not great, is my is my summary. When I wrote it, I was just writing it off memory, and I was like, Simone, Russell, Simone, and Josie hold the guns to the heads of Raven, Jackson, and Maddie. Not great. And then I looked and I was like, where's Jackson? Oh, yeah. Because when Josie said that Guy was going to be helpful, I thought Guy was like part of the thing now. And so it was going to be Jackson. So like, I obviously like I know why it's Gaia because Indra Indra. is like right there. But like, where's Jackson? Thanks. Who knows? I don't know. He'll probably show up magically and you'll be like, how do you get up there? And the show will be like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. If I could go back to the final voicemail that we got, which was from our friend Casey, um, who is at Casey Wall, C-A-S-E-Y-W-A-H-L. Hello, friends of the Aficionados. Uh, Brittany and Robin know who I am, but if you don't, um, hi, my name's Casey, and I'd love to be your friend. And I just wanted to send a little something your way after this week's episode, uh, which, disclaimer, I haven't even seen yet, (laughs) honestly. I just know what happens, and I'm not quite ready to watch that, because it makes me sad. Uh, but I'll get to it. Anyway, I guess I just, I know how difficult the past couple of weeks have been, uh, for Brittany especially, with Kane's death, and now Abby, and I can't even begin to imagine how hard it was to record that episode and how hard it's going to be to record this one. And I guess I just wanted to thank you guys for your vulnerability and to remind you of how important the work that you're doing is and how important the conversations that you have here are. Because I know that I'm absolutely a better person for having you guys in my life 
and for having this pod to listen to. You know, I think back to when I first started watching The Hundred and at the time I I was a really surface level TV watcher, I guess you could say. You know, I didn't think very deeply about characters that I didn't care about or plots I didn't care care about or anything like that. I was very self-absorbed. And the consequence of that is that you miss so much of what makes TV so amazing and powerful. You miss the complexity and the humanity of every character and the real life ramifications of the stories that television tells us. And for me, at least, Kane and Abby were definitely victim to that at first. You know, I was an angsty teen, and all I cared about were these other angsty teens, and that was that. I was only interested in my favorite characters and my favorite plots, and, you know, anything that wasn't of interest to me, I didn't even really think twice about. But then I met you guys, and you changed that for me. You know, everything from Robin's ability to come up with an entire backstory for a character who's on screen for 15 seconds and doesn't even speak, (laughs) to Brittany's, you know, passion and just visceral attachment to Kane and Abby, um, those things showed me how important every single character is, even if not to me, they're important to someone. Um, like you guys always say, someone, um, every character is someone's favorite character. And so I really grew to love Kane and Abby and I'm hurting right now. I'm sad and I'm hurting so much for all my friends who love Kane and Abby. And it sucks. It hurts. And as much as I wish that I wasn't hurting and that no one else was feeling this much pain. I guess in a way I'm grateful that I do. You know, I'm not grateful how they died or that they died, but I'm grateful that I care that they did. And in large part, that is because of you two. You've taught me how to care and how to see the complexity in every single character and you know you've taught me to care about stories that maybe wouldn't interest me five years ago but they're incredibly interesting to me now because I'm thinking more deeply about how they're going to impact the story and real people And, you know, I'm really angry right now because there are so many people who are hurt and who are going to be hurt by the narratives that this show decided to tell about Kane and Abby. And as angry as I am, I'm so humbled and grateful that I care and I have the capacity to feel this much, to to feel this much. Uh, There's nothing else to it. I'm grateful that you've taught me how to feel for other people, not just characters, but for people who love these characters. Um, and I'm grateful you've taught me how to empathize and to just think more deeply about the stories that I take in. And, you know, I'm a writer, or I want to be, and I don't think I would be 
half the writer that I am today if I hadn't met you two and if I never developed the capacity to put myself in other people's shoes the way you guys have taught me. So I guess I just wanted to remind you guys of how you're affecting your listeners' lives, how you've affected mine. I mean, you guys know how much I love you, but I guess I'll just tell you again that I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you and thank you for what you're doing. Um, I know it's not always easy, but I do think it's important and I'm so grateful you guys have had the strength and the intelligence and yeah, I guess just the the passion to think so deeply about this show um, because it's really shifted my view and for the better, I think. So yeah, that's all. Thank you so much. Love you guys. It was a really great, like... <laughs> We do not deserve that type of voicemail. I just, okay, I just texted her and I was like, so we didn't deserve that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was so much more than we ever deserved, but I'm so grateful. I don't know what to say. I'm just like, I'm so speechless because I had no idea. I think even with like Casey, like I had no idea that we were impacting people. Also, Casey, girl, I know you personally. Like, really personally <laughs> and i also know that like we were not the only people who gave you empathy you had empathy in the beginning before we met you and you have empathy now and just because your empathy has grown that doesn't mean that was all us and i know for a fact that you are such an awesome person and that was not just our doing but like i'm so glad that we got to like yes like nurture the idea that because i used to think the same way about tv characters where i was like mm -hmm. or even just any fictional character book characters movie characters those like my favorite characters the most important and who cares about those other characters mm -hmm. like whatever like they're not my problem but it was like other people care yeah and having empathy for those other characters means having other having an understanding that other people have different preferences than you do and i think that's sort of like the base like core of humanity is just having empathy for other people mm -hmm. and i'm just so grateful that we we got to be a part of that process and that we get to be like a place where people feel safe to come because like our podcast tries really hard to do things like that and treat every character with respect yeah and um like uh, some part of me a big part of me is like almost sorry that i like contributed to being like making her care so much about Kane and Abby and making other people care so much about Kane and Abby because of course like the way they ended it was like was it worth it but obviously like especially you know even in Casey's case it was because it helped her grow you know even as a writer and I think you know if you can take that sort of idea and apply it to other areas of your life like I know I've certainly done that and it's improved my life dramatically as well just sort of you know even just growing as an adult you know of course just really being open and understanding that not everyone has the same life that I do, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm so grateful to Casey and I'm so grateful to all of you guys for like allowing us to do this podcast and for, for responding to us mm -hmm. and constantly talking to us and like giving us your thoughts and filling out our surveys, filling out surveys and like tweeting us. Like, I love that we have a two-way relationship. It's not like we just throw a podcast out into the universe and we just talk and then maybe we respond every once in a while like i truly feel like there's a dialogue here and mm -hmm. i think like hearing things like that just makes it 
worth it for me because maybe the show doesn't make it worth it anymore Mm -hmm. but you guys do and that means the world to me Mm -hmm. so thank you yeah cool (laughs) you idiot thanks so now it's time for segments my first segment is the post-apocalyptic sass watch um which is our favorite line award mine goes to gabriel for the brother and sister you know that right (laughs) this this be good probably my favorite moment in the episode and mine goes to octavian bellamy for murphy said he'd help Murphy me. Hashtag Murphy me. I don't know if that counts. It always counts. It yeah. It always counts. And um, Octavia Blake shower watch. My saving segment is usually which milf is most badass, but um, she died. So any other milfs? Priya, Clark, Simone. All my segments were surrounded about Abby and Kane, and now they're both dead. Octavia Blake shower watch. I don't know. She looks clean. <laughs> ish she's just been walking a lot Whatever. probably sweaty i don't know do they have deodorant on that planet we probably not <laughs> um now it's time for the most valuable protagonist award this week's mvp is clark again i guess sure okay now it's time for our trailer reaction i haven't seen it you have but i haven't and i'm There's excited an extended edition for once <gasps> really how long is it longer oh exciting <gasps> extended oh my gosh mm-hmm. holy crap and extended wow okay all right are you ready Mm-hmm. Okay, three, two, one, play. You didn't think this through. Just like stand tail down. The episode. Oh, what? What I want. Over the Someone's injured it's for sure. Revenge. Ooh, I oh, I lost my mother. I lost my mother today. Cool. Kill the son of a bitch. You're a disease, and this bad. is the cure. Mom, it's time you do better. A little genocide, a long nap. What the hell? Is it over? The the part where Clark says mom, I think is like supposed to be like, oh my god, is Abby alive? No, she's not. That's Simone faking something to lull Clark into a false sense of security. I will not be played. Oh, I thought it was her as Josie being like, mom, why are you doing that? Maybe, but it's not what it seems. So so Maddie and Shade Hedda, what the heck? Yeah, okay, so this is okay so this first shot other than indra speaking end of the is like the end of the episode okay so people are running up the stairs it looks like miller's injured or tied up who's in the dress i think that's um murphy with his cape on you don't you think that's murphy yeah i think that's murphy running with robes on oh i thought it maybe it was amori because she was wearing that color dress. oh yeah that is amori you're right i'm like you know what i wouldn't put it past richard yeah that's amori you're though. right i just Pause it. Who is um Russell yelling at? I don't know. I thought maybe it was Raven? I thought Raven too. But like it also kind of doesn't. But it also kind of looks like someone who's was tied up, so it might be Maddie. It might be Maddie. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like that's her hair color. But I don't know why, like, he's pointing a gun at her. Why is Bellamy doing fire dancing? Listen, he needs hobbies. <laughs> he had to take up something new. See, you can tell that Maddie is completely dead inside because she's, like, looking at Clark putting a gun to her head with yep. nothing. I love how Clark's saying, I lost my mother today. Maddie shouldn't lose hers, too. Guaranteed. Because Abby's death is just a... Mm. Just a little plot divine. Well, at least they're bringing it up. The next episode, unlike Kane, which they didn't bring Well, up. they can't ignore it because Abby's body is still walking around, you know? Yeah, but... Wait until still. that's gone, then they'll forget it. I'm, I'm just trying that, yeah. It won't work. I've been burned too many times. I'm not stupid. So that's finally her being like, hi, I'm Clark. Yes. Right. Everyone knows she's Clark. Yes. yes. Who's on fire? I don't know. Might just be a random. 
Yeah, I think it's a rando. Raven, Murphy. Once again, they're alone in the commander place and there's no one else. And I'm like, really? Where are all the other commanders? Mana Faith Gaia being like, Ooh, we're gonna kill Shade Hedda by like- Killing, killing you, I guess. Maddie? Or like- Oh, but like that's Shade Hedda who's choking her? Yeah. Okay. I have questions. Oh, that's Octavia passing out. From the red sun toxin, because I guess their antitoxin ran out. Yeah. Who is the- what are they doing to- are they taking her gag off? Yeah. Okay. <gasps> There's Jade. That means we get to meet Jasmine. Why does Simone have a gun on Jade? Yeah, what the heck, Simone? Oh, wait, that's not Jade. Sorry, that's Jasmine. Yeah, but like- Simone has a gun on them, so I don't know what they did. This random guy shooting something. Layla dying, which thanks for spoiling Layla's death. Appreciate that. Are they going to kill the whole army? Is that what's happening? Is that Layla getting her throat cut? Oh, yeah. it is. Fuck, she was so good. I know. And then, yeah, waking up the sleeping army. Are they waking them up or are they killing them all? She just said genocide. They're going to wake them up. Okay. Because it's Clark. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those and we also have a survey. It's perpetually open. It's in the description of the podcast. We would love to hear your thoughts. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We, we have covered three seasons of it and one season of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina all in the same feed. Mm-hmm. And if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. We are currently in the decline of season two. As this goes up on Friday, a uh, episode just came out. So you should go and check that out. We have guests over there and it's also completely spoiler free with a spoiler section at the end. So if you're watching along for the first time, you can. And I find some people have told me that it's easier to understand the show, the first watch, if you listen to our podcast. That's cute. Yeah. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show too. We covered season one like comprehensively and then we sort of did live reactions to season three after we watched each episode. So you should go check those out. Yeah. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, but I do post on our Instagram uh, stories sometimes. And I post all of our favorite line awards on Tumblr and I work really hard on it. So please support me. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash the fictionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because this is expensive. Mm -hmm. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Appertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. The next episode is episode 613. It's called The Blood of Sanctum, which of course it is. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.